Welcome in as we uh, finally hit all our record buttons. You're listening to Hoops. Well, I'm your host, Dave McHugh, presenting to you from, or presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. As always, if you've got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can join us on Facebook where we're live simulcasting the show, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, let's see, Instagram at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville for that as well. Though, admittedly, uh, we don't check that as often during the show. But we're there. You're welcome to give it a whirl, as it were. We should be running everything... Smoothly. I, I do notice my audio might be a little low. We'll tweak that here in a moment as uh, it's never perfect, but we'll get it. We'll, we'll get it perfect for you guys. And so, yeah, interact with us. New top 25s are out, obviously. Lots to talk about around Division Three. Something I'm going to get to real quick. NCAA convention is this week. We vote on a new constitution. I say we. NCAA votes on a new constitution. Uh, There's also legislative items for D3. We have it all covered in a special Hoopsville edition that is coming up uh, tomorrow morning. It will be uh, released. It'll be both a video show and a podcast. Um, I am joined by, and let's see if I get these all right, uh, Angel Mason, Athletics Director for Barry College. She's also the chair of the Division III Financial and Technical Committees. Uh, Let's see. Jason Fine, Athletics Director for Bates College. He is the Management Council Chair, um, ex-officio of the Board of Governors and the D3 President's Council, former Championships Committee member as well. Uh, He will roll off most of those jobs actually by the end of the week. Um, I feel like I forgot something with with Jason, besides a frequent guest of this show, it turns out, in the last few years. Uh, also, Stephanie or Stevie Baker Watson, who is the vice president for wellness and uh, director of athletics at DePaul University. She's a former chair for the Management Council and Championship Committees. She is uh, she was a member of the division. Well, she was a division three representative for the Constitutional Committee for the NCAA. And Brad Bankson, who's commissioner of the Old Dominion Athletic Conference. He is a former member of the Management Council and Championships Committee. He's also a former chair of the National Football Committee for Division Three, and as with uh, Stevie, he was a representative for the Division Three at the NCAA Constitutional uh, Convention. They're all on the show. Brad, uh, Pat Coleman will also join me later in that show. Talk about everything that has to do with the Constitution, legislative items. There are some doozies of some legislative items that Division Three may or may not consider, and I'll, I'll mention that in a minute. Um, First off, there's some minor ones, but uh, amateur status, looking at, uh, well, not, I'm sorry, eligibility, looking at um, the possibility of returning the redshirt Division Three. We'll see if that, how far that gets uh, in conversations. Uh, and there's uh, football practice seasons. Um, in our conversation, could be broken into three, believe it or not, three different topics. Um, audio's funky. Okay, we'll, we'll try and listen to it. Apologize. Not sure why it's funky. We'll try and figure out why it might be. Uh, I could think of about six reasons. Oh, I, I have a feeling. Tell me if it's better. I have a feeling I know why, and if that's, the, that's it, then we've got a bigger problem on our hands, but we'll cross that bridge later. Um, and then, uh, let's see. Um, so, there, believe it or not, the football conversation could be broken into three bills, up to three bills. We'll, we'll see if that gets changed. And then the automatic qualifier, whether we'll go down to three bids 
division, uh, sorry, three bids. I got the last bill confused in my head. Whether we'll go down to six teams to make an automatic uh, qualifying bid for conferences, meaning that instead of seven, it'll be six. That's got a lot of ramifications, uh, especially outside of football. We'll see if that plays out. I'm not really sure what to make of it. Um, it's a great conversation, though. Seriously, uh, that Hoopsville po- show, again, podcast and video show, will be uh, available tomorrow morning. It's all ready to go, believe it or not. It is all ready to go. Just a matter of us pulling the trigger. Um, no better yet. All right. Well, we'll figure out why it sounds okay on our end and why it's not sounding okay for everybody else. Um, but we will work on that here in a moment. Um, I know there's a way for Andy, who is on the show today, hit close on that, uh, to maybe listen in, but we'll try and listen in as well. That's very strange. Um, you know what? I'm going to hit stop on that and maybe that will help things a little bit. I'm not sure. We're guessing a little bit. We're, we're trying to clear up problems that were coming from the past. Um, and we thought we nailed them all, but, uh, guess, you know, as, as things do, we were wrong. And uh, we'll continue to work on them as, as best we can. I apologize if it's really funky. Um, that's really strange, but we'll work on it. All right, let's talk quickly about our guests tonight because we do have guests coming up and we, we got to get to them. Um, actually, Andy, I'm going to need your headsets here in a bit, by the way. Um, but not, not to the break. Um, a little business behind the scenes here on the air. So let's talk uh, our guests tonight, shall we? Because we got some good guests on tonight's show. Uh, believe it or not, we are six weeks from the uh, time we'll be talking about who's in and who's out of the NCAA tournament. If you can believe that. Six weeks already. Um, seems hard for me to believe, to say the least, uh, that in six weeks' time on this show at this time, we'll be talking about who made it and who didn't make it and the brackets therein. Um, but let's see here. Uh, so let's talk about who's going to be on. First off, regions that we talk about, this is the even-numbered regions with Region 1 and 2 being combined. So Region 2, 4, 6, and 8 with 1 joining 2. We'll talk out of Region 1, we'll talk uh, 1 and 2, but primarily Region 1. We'll talk to Emmanuel women's basketball coach Andy Yasinoff coming up on the show. Out of Region 4, we'll talk to Penn State Harrisburg men's basketball coach Don Friday. He's appearing on a Monday. It's a very unique situation for a man named Don Friday, but we got him on the show. Uh, Don joins us out of the uh, United East, which used to be the uh, NEAC conference. Uh, We'll talk to him out of the Region 4. Coming up in Region 6 in a matter of minutes, down in the south, we'll go to the Old Dominion Athletic Conference, Randolph Women's Basketball. They were picked to finish like sixth to last in the conference. They are leading the conference right now. We'll talk to their head coach, uh, Steve Lanham. Lanth? I can't even say his name. So sorry, Steve. We'll talk to him coming up about the Wildcats team. Uh, and then later in the program, Illinois Wesleyan men's basketball coach Ron uh, Rose joins us. Uh, fresh off their win against Elmers, who they had to come back from. We'll talk to him out of Region 8 uh, and the success that they're having. And then uh, Ryan and Scott will join uh, Ryan and Scott. Ryan Scott and Bob Quillman will join us to talk about the latest Top 25, which I haven't actually taken a, taken a peek at. I don't know what it looks like. Uh, But on that note, we'll take a break, maybe figure out what all these audio issues are, and more importantly, we'll get to our first guest out of Randolph. We'll talk women's basketball. We'll talk the ODAC. We'll talk about how Randolph Wildcats are doing so darn well. You're listening to Hoops Hill, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. Thank our partners also at uh, the WBCA and, of course, Blue Frame Technologies. 
And uh, by the way, speaking of which, we got uh, news to talk about. And I just realized we left a box out. You, not sure why we did that. Uh, we have news to share about uh, more jerseys coming and sponsors and others. You're listening to Hoop. So back with more in uh, just a wee bit. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, go ahead and uncheck that, buddy. Now I can't hear it. Test one, two. Yeah, I still can't hear the audio, but we'll figure it out. Trying to figure out why you all can't, or some are saying the audio is funky. Uh, it sounds okay on our end, but we'll keep working on it. Um, if you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can uh, email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Oh, it would be helpful if we started our next segment. Whoops, sorry, Coach. Um, if you got questions for us again, please contact us. Coach, uh, we'll be joining us here momentarily. We, we accidentally got uh, into the commercial break and then forgot to tell Coach, hey, we're there. Uh, I know he's there. He's waiting for us. He's such a kind gentleman, but we will get to him in a moment. Uh, again, if you got questions for us, though, you're welcome to uh, email us, Facebook us, whatever. We'll do, check all of that. Um, we're still getting the, the bugs a little bit worked out, though we're proud to say that Andy's at least involved in the show. Um, that's half the battle sometimes. But if you're joining us somewhere on the show, please uh, let us know you are. Uh, we, we love hearing from everybody out there in D3 world. All right, so let's talk again. We talk uh, mainly the even-numbered regions. If they, they work out in our favor in the old way we used to do a Sunday show, now a Monday show, in the sense that uh, it is... Um, Let's see, I'm, I'm, my brain just literally went sideways. Um, we, we, we go east, mid-Atlantic. No, 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 that's, that's the other day. See, this is where my brain goes. Northeast, Atlantic, south, and central regions. That's what we normally do. Yeah, I know, I know what I'm talking about, really. I'm, I'm really on the same page. It makes total sense. So, talking south region, it's region six. You look into the ODAC, where... I, I would say it's not surprising to find Randolph Macon up there. It's not necessarily surprising to see WNL, but Randolph certainly a big surprise. They're eleven and two on the season. They're six and one. If you look at the coaches' poll, they were picked to finish near the bottom of the conference. They have two losses on the season. One of them is to William and Mary, 
Um, we won't discuss the score, but it's about what you would expect it to have been. The other one's a Lynchburg, 45-31. They've beaten Virginia Wesleyan and Shenandoah. They've beaten some other members of their conference, including Guilford. They're having a pretty solid season. Caught our attention as it normally would, of course. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, mm-hmm. we're doing a little bit different, so we hope this... Ooh, actually, speaking of which... Before we bring Coach in, because I could totally see us botching this if we don't do it smart here. There we go. Join us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline. It is Steve Lampfer. Coach, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time. Welcome to the show. Hope you're well. I'm doing really well, Dave. I really appreciate you having having some time for me this evening. And Hold on, uh, Coach. Apparently, we can't hear ourselves, so that's weird. We should be able to hear everything. Oh, there we go. We got you. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you very much. Yeah, we got a bit of an echo that might be on our fault. So there we go. Not you. It's us. It's definitely us. When, when you take the blame, Dave, appreciate it. You know what? That might be what everybody's complaining about. Hang on. We're going to fix this in a different way. Mute that. Now bring you in. Try it again. Coach, how are you? You're there. I know you're there. So that's a good sign. We're halfway there. Um, listen, let's get back to the topic at hand because I know everybody can hear you. Um, 11 and 2 on the season, 6 and 1. Again, I, I point out to the conference at the beginning of the season said, eh, Wildcats, they'll be down in the bottom third, bottom quarter. Nothing to, to worry about. Uh, did they not know something that you all did? And I'd, I'd love to say it's all coaching, but for the most part, you know, we've got a, a great group of young quality student athletes and uh, Randolph hasn't had a winning tradition, uh, but we talk all the time that it's uh, doesn't mean we can't have one. And, and we just kind of focus on, on getting better every day and, and working hard and really uh, establishing a strong bond. And, and I've got a great group of ladies and uh, they've gotten to know each other. They bought into the culture and they're working extremely hard. Uh, we've, we've gotten off to a great start, but it's just that a great start. And uh, hopefully with that momentum and hopefully we'll, we'll continue to stay healthy and, and win games. But it's it, for us, it's about uh, embracing the opportunity and playing extremely hard and, and playing basketball with the way we want to play it. And uh, fortunately in the early going, you know, we've made a lot of shots. We've defended really well. We've established our, our zone defense as kind of our foundation. Uh, and we're leading the, the ODAC right now in scoring defense. And I, I think it's somewhere around the top 15th in the country. And, and uh, you know, I'm a little bit old school in that, that fact. But, you know, defense travels. So uh, we continue to play with effort and execution. And, and whole teams under 50 points, we should have a shot. Uh, sorry, folks. I accidentally covered Coach up there with my email because I have it on the wrong screen. But nonetheless, I think we figured out most of our problems. So we heard most of your answers. So I appreciate your patience with me. Um Listen, first time in double-digit wins since 2016-2017. So you may say, hey, we're only halfway there. Or we're, we're kind of still at the start of all this. But you've already made a significant step forward uh, with this program. That was a 13-win season, and you're knocking on the doorstep of already 13 wins. You get the rest of the season. And not to be a little bit um, tongue-in-cheek, but you literally would have to roll over the rest of the season for this not to be one of the better seasons in program history. I mean, that even if it's only halfway, and I understand, you're, tr- you're trying to soft-pedal this a little bit. You don't want to get ahead of the, the, the cart or the, ahead of the, of the horse necessarily. But come on, you, this is tremendous for you guys. No, no it is. It, it, it's great. Um, you know, the players are playing really hard. They're having fun. Uh, when you're winning, obviously, uh, it's easy, easy to kind of talk about the next game in hand and stuff. But uh, 
really the reason we're winning is, is of our student athletes and, and they've really bought into the culture and they're working extremely hard uh, offensively. You know, they're sharing the basketball. We kind of preach on selfish, just try to find the open player. And, and we've got some players that can knock down shots and that makes it easier. And then, uh, like I said before, Dave, defensively, we're, we're holding team. We're taking away the three point shot and we're, we're for the most part holding teams to, to one and done. And that, that gives, you know, any team a shot. And, uh, you know, I'd be coy to say that, you know, and we've got some talent this year and, and, you know, we're confident we feel like, you know, we can be anybody on any given day. And, and as long as we deserve a chance to win by working hard, uh, we're going to give it our all and, and hopefully we'll continue to win. And, uh, we're going to continue to, uh, strive for, for, uh, that success, you know, but I, I can't contribute enough. It's really the student athletes. They're the ones that are working hard every day. They're the ones that are buying into it. And, uh, at Randolph, it's not easy to to be a student athlete because of the challenging academic uh, standards, uh, but they've embraced that. And uh, the sky's the limit for us. Our, our model this year is no uh, no ceiling, new heights, and and they've really embraced that. And uh, we're not putting a benchmark on number of wins. We're just trying to uh, win each day. Three-point defense, first in the ODAC, uh, as you mentioned. Also overall field goal defense. So it's not just the fact you can guard the outside shot which is important. It's the fact that the entire defense is standing up there. And listen, the schedule has certainly featured a number of the, of, of the conference foes that you're going to be dealing with. I mean, Lynchburg's a solid win, of course. The Roanoke game hasn't been played yet. It was supposed to have been played. That certainly could have been a good benchmark. Um, but you've got them coming up. You've got WNL coming up. You've got Randolph-Macon coming up. Uh, those two, of course, at the top of the conference with you right now. How do you now that the kind of the cat's out of the bag and everybody in the conference kind of knows what's up, how do you now stay ahead of these programs or ahead of the changes? Or is it not about staying ahead? It's just about execution. Yeah. Uh, for us, I think it's just about, uh, like you said, Dave, about executing and, and about uh, being the best us. Uh, obviously, you know, we've got Washington Lee and they traditionally have been, a, been at the top or, or near the top and we've got Randolph making the same. So it's not do or die win wins versus losses, but it is a nice benchmark. And we want to be playing our best basketball in February and hopefully in March, but uh, we're excited about the challenge. We're going to have to play extremely well uh, at Washington Lee on Wednesday and, and at home against Randolph Macon, but we feel good about where we're at. And I think if we take care of the basketball defend uh, and obviously got to make some shots, I really feel like, and I think our players feel like we can compete with any, anybody. And uh, we kind of preach that. Uh, we fear none. Obviously, we respect all, but uh, we feel when we're playing at our best, uh, we can beat anybody. Um, by the way, we should point out, uh, first time reaching double digits since 2016-2017, as we said. Your first win, over, or fifth win ever against Guilford, and first since 2009. They're coached by Bridgewater. By the way, you beat them for the fourth time ever, and first since 2017. First win against Shannon Dota since 2017. First win against... Virginia Wesleyan since 2016, first win down at their place since 2004. Um, forgive me, this feels a little reminiscent of Clay Nunley when he was there at the men's program in the sense of kind of barging through the door. There wasn't a season necessarily that there was a slow trickle. There was a kicking of the door down. And it feels like that's what you guys have done here at least to start this season and in conference. And as you said, it's got to be building confidence. Yeah, no question. I, I think our, our players are, are playing at a high level of confidence. Obviously, wins do, do that. But we talk every day. It's about, 
you know, attacking the day, doing what we can do, control the controllables. And yeah. uh, it is nice doing some of this stuff that we haven't done. Uh, it, it's been exciting on campus. And, and yeah, we all know we're dealing with COVID and all that stuff. But uh, the campus is excited about what we're doing. And it's nice to kind of see that women's basketball Randolph is, is something that people look forward to. And, you know, we're starting to really uh, draw, draw spectators, draw fans, draw, draw our student body to the gym. Uh, and that, that makes it fun for everybody. And, and we hope to continue winning and, and we're going to strive to do our very best. And obviously we've got to stay healthy, but um, you know, like I said, Dave, we're, we don't fear anybody. There's a lot of really good teams in the ODAC. We can get beat on every, any given night, but we feel like we can win on any given yes. night. So yep. we'll continue to try to do that. Uh, Kylie Stark leading the team, 14.3 points a game. She was rookie of the year last spring. I emphasize spring there because it wasn't that long ago, it feels like, to some degree. She was just named player of the week in the ODAC as well. Give me a little bit of a sense of what she's bringing to the table. Um, at such a, a young age, is a weird way of saying it, but, I mean, it's not like she's got a ton of experience with this conference even with last spring under her belt. Right. She only, <clears throat> excuse me, Dave, she played nine games last year, obviously with, uh, and so basically she's a second semester freshman, but she, she plays, uh, you know, beyond her years. Uh, she has such a passion uh, and plays with such a high level of intensity uh, that she's just a joy to coach. Uh, she's a scorer, but for me, she's, she's uh, a player that plays both ends. You know, she's not going to take a possession off. Sometimes I got to back her up a little bit and, and, and calm her down because she's such a competitor. Uh, but she's, you know, one of the main reasons why we've started to turn this corner. Uh, she was probably the, the, the first big recruit that, that we landed. And it, it, it's always exciting when you land somebody who's right in your backyard. So she brings a lot of uh, a chatter from, from local community, obviously family members, that type of stuff. Uh, and she can do it all. She's not just the score, you know, she, no. she, she passes to, to the open teammate. She defends, she rebounds. Uh, so she, she's a, a player that obviously, you know, we're hoping to have here for a few more years and, and the sky's the limit for her in terms of what she can do. Uh, but she's always a team first player. Always doesn't care, care how many points she scores, just wants the team to win. And, and that's what we preach. And, and that's kind of trickled down uh, to this year's class. And, and, Obviously, that's why we're, we're being successful. Um, yeah, you should point yeah. out she's uh, averaging 7.1 uh, rebounds a game, which is uh, leads the team, and 2.8 steals a game, which leads the team. Uh, Tanea uh, Crenshaw-Patterson is a first-year player and second on the team at 12 points a game uh, and also hands out 5.2 uh, – no, has 5.2 rebounds a game. I apologize. Got that one wrong. So you've got another young player, this one with even less experience in the ODAC, who's kind of the one-two punch with Stark there. That's an interesting dynamic for this program. Yeah, no kidding. It's exciting. And, and you talk a lot of times, do you want to have talent or you want to have experience? Well, I'll go with talent any day, day of the week. And I think uh, Tanaya brings a, a athleticism, a tenacity, and uh, she's a, a big-time scorer for us. <clears throat> uh, and it just obviously makes Kylie's game better and makes everybody's game better. Uh, you know, we, we were fortunate to get Yanessa Cabrera back uh, she set out last year, another uh, player that's got a lot of experience. Yeah. We've got a fifth year senior in Sierra Cook who adds, you know, some maturity and experience. And uh, and and with uh, Cameron O'Neill, who's, who's a sophomore, junior, but uh, really a sophomore. Uh, we really have four players on the floor that can score at any any time. So it's really hard to just focus on Kylie, just hard to focus on Tanaya. 
you know, we've got four players that can score. And, and I think a large part of our success has been our depth. You know, we've been able to play 10 to 12 players each and every game. Uh, and, and in this such, such a unique season, uh, you know, with COVID and stuff, we've been able to kind of uh, stay one step ahead of it, so to speak, and, and been fortunate to be able to, you know, we've had players out, but we've had other players step up and it's, uh, you know, I'm from new England. So I talk a lot about Patriots and, uh, the next, next person up, I'll say in our case, but, uh, we really value that. And I think we've got a great circle within our team and, and they've really, uh, kind of embraced that next person up. And, uh, it's not about one person, not about Kylie. It's not about tonight. It's not about Cameron. It's about the success of the team. And, uh, you know, I really feel like they don't care who scores. It's just every every time we have success, we're almost doing it for the first time. So we're just trying to enjoy it and embrace it and uh, continue to win. Ballsy to bring up the Patriots the day after um, – or two days after um, that happened. But yeah, bravo right. to you. Bra- bravo. I'll give you credit. That's um, it. We're not fair weather fans up here. Well, no, and it wasn't fair weather <laughs> at Buffalo either. Uh, Yanessa Cabrera – by the way, you pointed her out. 3.9 assists a game, sixth in the conference. That, that's a great piece to come back, as you point out. And 10 to 12 players. Yes, certainly helpful this time of year. Again, we're we're taking the current corner here. You've lost the game against Covenant. Obviously, you want to make up the game against Roanoke. Those are the two games that you've lost mm-hmm. that I know of, at least. you got WNL coming up here in a couple of days. Is, is there a look to maybe try and get that one game that you, you lost with Covenant made up in some capacity, or is it all about conference at this point and that's your only focus? Yeah, actually, uh, Davey, bring that up. I, I, when we lost it, I was looking for another game, but within the ODAC in terms of so many teams, yeah. it's really hard to kind of squeeze one in, and, and it really is just about conference play now. So I've decided to kind of you know step away from the Covenant game and, and not add a game, but just try to focus on on the ODAC conference and kind of get ready for each and every conference fall, you know, as they come. Um, curious. What does, what does Christopher Newport look like for you on your schedule? I mean, they might have an opening. I'm just, just random, maybe a Mary Washington, uh, you know, they're down the street. I'm just, just some random suggestions. There's, a, there's some, a lot of great teams in, in Virginia, obviously, but We'll focus on the ODAC right now. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, by the way, quick thought on uh, Tanea. I noticed it's Crenshaw Patterson. Did she get confused with which Randolph she was looking at? Because if I'm not mistaken, Crenshaw Gymnasium's at the other Randolph. Yeah, well, she might have been confused, but once she met our coaching staff, she was she, she bought in instantaneously. Well done, <laughs> sir. Well done. Uh, I'll give you props for that. Um you mentioned New England a, a little bit of what drew, I'm curious before we let you go because I know you got to get going. Um, what drew you to to Randolph? What drew you to go to that Division three institution after the success you had and the time you spent at Norwich? You also spent some time. I had another one and I lost it. Uh, obviously, you were at Vermont and and Massachusetts in the D one level certainly. But what drew you to Randolph? Well, it, it's funny. I knew about the ODAC just because it's always one of the top conferences in the country and. Uh, you know, a good friend of mine, Tony Barrett, who who just took the Stockton athletic director's position, uh, I knew him, uh, you know, and he gave me a call and, and told me how great it was. And, and really, uh, I went down down to Randolph just to kind of check it out and, and see what Lynchburg was all about. And it kind of blew me away the the, the uh, from President Bateman to the to the people uh, and the students are great. It's just a it's a small community. They really embrace uh 
just uh, taking care of each other. And, and, and that's what I found that, that I kind of fell in love with it that day. It's a beautiful campus. Uh, and it's got a lot of things that I thought we could be successful with. And, and they've really allowed me to kind of uh, put my trademark on the program and kind of lead the way I think we should lead. And, and they've been nothing but supportive. Uh, so, you know, Randolph's a great, great small educational uh, facility and, and they've given us just a great opportunity to, to be one of those teams that can, can be successful on and off the court. Hey, well, again, appreciate the time. Appreciate the, um, the, the insight on the team. I know you've got to run off, but uh, it's fun to see the Wildcats in the conversation, shaking up the ODAC a little bit on what is becoming a much more competitive women's side of that conference. I appreciate it, Dave. And it's, it's uh, yeah, there's Randolph Macon is a great, uh, great college with, with athletics and, and they've got a great tradition, but we're trying really hard to, to, put Randolph college on the map and, and hopefully we'll continue to win, but I've got a great group of student athletes. I know one thing we're going to compete really hard and, and we're going to work together and, and hopefully we'll talk to you soon uh, down the road. Well, we'll certainly look forward to it. Uh, by the way, we always give the guests the final word. I don't know if you want to finish on what you just said, or if you have any other thoughts you want to share with those tuned in. Well, I thought that was a pretty good ending, but I just wanted to thank you again, Dave, for, for taking the time, having, having us on and uh, Randolph college. We're excited about, just being in the conversation and, and we're looking forward to competing for the ODAC championship uh, later on this month. Sure. Hey, I, I never just, I never want to assume, I never want to assume that the final word has been said so that we always offer it up. Appreciate it. Dave. Hey, take care of yourself. Good luck down the road. And we'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. All right. Thank you, Dave. Absolutely. Steve Lamb for joining us on the blue frame technology hoops for the hotline. Appreciate him taking the time to do so. Um, interesting schedule for them ahead. Obviously it'll be a tester, but as last week showed uh, just because it's a tester doesn't mean these teams can't come off of a good interview on Hoopsville and play well. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk men's basketball, right? Is that where I'm heading next? Yeah. Men's basketball. Um, we will uh, talk. Uh, well, Lily head up I 81 from Lynchburg. I kind of have to go West out of Lynchburg, and then up 80. Well, anyway, my point being, we're going to talk to Penn State Harrisburg men's basketball coach Don Friday. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Plenty more Hoopsville still ahead. My name is Marcus Walker. I was all state, won a state championship, a high school All American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. 
If the audio is a little funky, I apologize. What we will most likely do is take our video recording um, and turn it around into our um, archive for the future, and the podcast will be fine. We think we know why the audio is funky. I can't fix it quickly because it's inconsistent. I didn't have a game plan for that. But basically, the reason it's gotten to Andy and, and is able to be streamed the way we want to stream it has created this audio glitch. So we will work on solving that. Um, <laughs> I swear, every time we think we solve it all, we find another problem. Um, but to quote somebody who's going to be on the show shortly, we're not disassembling a bomb. So there's that going for us. Uh, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, or YouTube, YouTube.com slash Hoopsville. Um, you are welcome to ask questions there, um, and we will try and pay attention to those questions should they come in. Um, all right. So one team I've been waiting and biding my time to talk to is the next one. Uh, they are now in what's called the United East Conference, and nothing against anybody there, but that doesn't change the circumstances of the old NEAC. Not one of the more competitive conferences, and I'm not saying anything that is that is earth-shattering to any one shape or form. Um, it's just the reality of it. So you kind of have to stand out as a result of that in, in other ways, and teams have certainly done that and do that. And I certainly raised my eyebrows back in... 2020 at uh, Johns Hopkins when Penn State Harrisburg came in, not only dismantled, I think it was, was it was a WPR or MIT? I think it was MIT. Um, playing really well in the first round. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. They dismantled Johns Hopkins. That's who it was. They dismantled Johns Hopkins with a big upset, which ruined everybody's day because we all wanted to see Hopkins versus Yeshiva in the second round. And they said, no, 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 no. That's not how it's going to be. It's going to be Harrisburg versus uh, Yeshiva ended up being a decent second round game, even though they were uh, shown the door, but everybody was shown the door within five days anyway. What's amazing is they've kept it up. And so joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of the Penn State Harrisburg um, Lions, Nintley Lions. I'm not sure the Penn State system confuses me. Uh, it is uh, it is done Friday. Coach, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time to join us. Uh, secondly, hats off on really continuing through COVID not playing last year, the success that you guys found in the 2019-2020 season. Hey, first, it's an honor to be here. And it's, it's a big thing for our program uh, to be just mentioned on the, you know, in, in a prestigious national level. Um, you know, you mentioned that about the whole Johns Hopkins and, you know, it was a coming out, it was a coming out for us. But, you know, we had great belief as a program that we were capable. You know, a couple of our kids – Donnie Baylor Carroll, Nate Curry, Brandon Coleman, uh, who's now rejoined us uh, coming off an injury. We've got some high-level guys and some guys that have been around really, really good basketball through AAU and their high school programs that are winners. And the biggest challenge was, you know, we've worked really hard here to build our program up. And then COVID, you know, COVID hit right after we had played Yeshiva. And I, I don't know how Coach Steinmetz would feel. I, I don't know if I was in his situation, how I would feel then never – getting that opportunity to get to that next round with, with Randolph making, you know, the what ifs that would haunt you. But the biggest challenge for us then was trying to keep everybody intact. And I think the whole idea of mental health and the way you look at the transfer portal nowadays and the way people raise your kids. And, you know, when sometimes when kids have some adversity and it doesn't quite go their way, they, you know, they may look for a new, a new opportunity. And 
when we realized we couldn't coach our kids anymore and then we lost our season, which I thought would never, you know, we left Hopkins. I never thought the following year we wouldn't get back on the court. We shifted our focus to being student centric, student centered, more now student only, you know, the athlete part was taken out of that. So we focused again, our, our motto is diplomas and championships. And we wanted to try to support our kids and give them just some kind of regimentation, give them a schedule, give them things they had to cross off their list on a weekly basis. And hey, at times we were throwing stuff against the wall to do that, but we're very fortunate this group, this is a veteran group that we have back. And, you know, I'm excited to see as we continue to you know go through our league, uh, how we, you know, we know we'll be, t- we'll be tested. We got some big ones this week coming up, but we also, the days of the Penn State Harrisburgs being able to compete against the Scrantons, the Mary Washingtons, and some of the people we've played in the past, that wasn't going to happen. And it's a credit to these young guys that we've gotten there. Um, it's almost disappointing you're not still in the old CAC, uh, just because I would love to see how this team matches up uh, in that conference. You're right. You're going to have some interesting games coming up. But what I what jumped out at me is how you've, how you've handled the season so far. You have a win against... What many are saying is a pretty good Mary Washington squad. You beat them in game two of the season by 11. You got Muhlenberg, and you got them good, 81-59. Del Val got you uh, in an interesting result the next day, 71-65, and beat you. Mary And Washington College gave you kind of a bit of the ropes game, as it were. But since then, it looks like confidence has gained because you have not had a lot of close games, really none within single digits the rest of the way including Messiah, 68-48. What, what, was there a tough stretch kind of out of the gate, just trying to find yourselves, and then what clicked? You know what? Listen, I think we, I think going into it, we talked to our kids all year about being veterans, and, you know, we, we, had, a great, we had a great 18 months. We figured out ways to get stronger and to get better and to work on our skill and to keep our guys engaged that way. And we had a great preseason. We, we, you know, the nice thing about coaching this group of guys, they go to class, they do the right thing off the court and they come into practice and they're always ready to go. So a lot of our energy, it's, it's focused on winning. Del Val, they, they, they kicked our butt. They outworked us that day. And, you know, it was a wake up call that you're not, not saying we didn't show up, but yeah. we didn't play. We didn't play the way we needed to play. And to sit there and say, we did that. No, Delaware Valley came out and played harder than us that day. And they competed. And when we came back, uh, we didn't rip them. We just talked about what we had to do to get better. And we learned from it. We grew um, the Washington college deal, you know, we had a guy that we were nursing with a, you know, we don't like to give out what, what goes on with injuries, et cetera. But we had a guy that we were trying to rest. We're up 15 in the second half. Then it goes up to 20 and we made a decision not to play that guy anymore in the second half. Well, uh, my, uh, my, my great strategy, we, we gave up a, a 14 point lead with about two and a half minutes to play And And you got to, again, you got to give credit to the Washington kids. They battled, they went up on us three and, I learned a lot about our team and our kids' resiliency after that game because our Donye hit a huge three to send it to overtime, and then we really seemed to take off from there. But I think our kids, what's nice is we're, we're focused. Uh, we don't take things for granted. We're not going to get full of ourselves, and we're going to take them one at a time. And, you know, you know as you go through the season, there's so many ups and downs, and there's adversity that happens. How you handle it, you can't get too high, you can't get too low. And in the world of COVID – you can't plan more than eight hours at a time anyway, because testing, uh, you could have somebody out, somebody could cancel, you could lose your facility for, you know, they might be doing testing in your own gym. You, you live by the moment. 
Yeah, uh, it's a lot of stuff's out of your control, which some some degree may be uh, better for you. There's a lot I want to uh, better because it just it takes a little of the stress out, maybe, or or what you're getting distracted with. There's a lot I want to get to in, in regards to individuals because you have um, four guys in double figures, a fifth who's nearly there, plus others who are certainly contributing on a team that's scoring 81 points a game and only allowing 61 and a half. But I want to talk about uh, Donye Barrow Carroll, uh, Baylor Carroll. Easy for me to say. Uh, certainly had a darn good uh, season two years ago, and and, and kind of with kind of brought you guys into the spotlight. He's now been added to the Bevo Francis Award Top 100 watch list, which is nice to see amongst a handful of Division Three guys in that group. What does he bring to the table other than what we see on the stat board, which is 17.2 points a game, three rebounds a game, nearly five assists a game? Um, and nearly two and a half st- or over two and a half steals a game. That's stats. We get that. But what's he bringing to the table? He has great emotional intelligence. He has tremendous confidence and a high level of humility. And it's unco- he is absolutely uncommon. Uh, he was a young man, you know, coming out. A lot of the state schools, the PSAC schools here looked at. Some pulled the trigger and offered him opportunities and money. And it worked out. We were fortunate by the grace of God that we were able to get him down here with us. And since the day he stepped on this campus, he knows he's good, but he doesn't tell you he's good. He shows it. He doesn't, he doesn't talk it through. Um, and you know, it seems like anything else on the big games, he knows he comes to play and uh, you know, he's pretty good at pacing. And when I say pacing, he knows that this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Uh we played Scranton and, and he knew that was a big time game based on Scranton's reputation. Sure. And we scored our first 14 of the game. Uh, he went into that start of that game a little bit like he was when you saw him at Hopkins uh, where he just took over, but he can take over and he can take over other ways than just shooting the ball. He passes it really well. Uh, if you really, if you want to see an amazing basketball play, go to the last uh, 15 seconds of our Washington game. He goes down, strips the ball, saves it out of bounds. It goes back to a Washington kid at the three. He sprints from being on the floor, blocks it, and gets it to our kid, Brandon Coleman. And, and it's just an amazing play. Like, you can't teach it. He just has it. And uh, he's we're really, really lucky to have him in our program. I forgot the Scranton game. You guys won by 11. I just saw the Royals the other day. Granted, the Royals have been struggling with what everybody's struggling with, and that's not having Buddy at 100%. But you got to play who's on the floor, and you got to play the team you're going to face. And that goes for you guys, too, because at any given moment, you might be playing without somebody, as you've stated, and, and that makes it challenging. Um, great uh, chat there. Thanks for the uh, uh, the comparisons there, Baylor Carroll. I was really impressed with him. I had seen him on tape, but sometimes it's amazing what the difference is when you see him in person or as you put it out or pointed out. Amazing what you see when someone realizes this is a big game. Not that they don't realize other games are huge, but sometimes everybody's got a different gear, and he certainly showed it against Hopkins. Granted, it was two years ago now, but what I'm finding amazing – Don, is you're able to keep the intensity. The team has gotten better. That's what a lot of the premier teams are able to do for whatever reason. And I'm not trying to say you're not premier, but you guys haven't gotten there in the name recognition yet. So it may be harder to keep recruits or keep them interested. It might be harder to keep guys interested in coming and staying for another year at school or drive and move forward and be a part of this. It seems like you guys took the 2020 experience, and if you were good last year and we had no COVID, no surprise, none whatsoever. You're good this year. What? 
how did you, how did everybody stay motivated? You know, that's a great question. And I think here's the deal. It's easy to motivate, Dave. We, we all get motivated. On January Fair. 1st, I'm motivated. I want to be the most fit guy and, you know, I want to eat healthy and do all that. January 1st and 2nd, I lost 40 pounds right here, right up here. Yep. Three days of motivation. Everybody does it. But yep. you know what? Now we're on. Now I we're just made on. a bunch of cookies today. I'm, I'm definitely motivated in the wrong direction. Discipline keeps you there. And That's I think true. our kids. I think our kids understood that if we did what needed to be done and they were willing to callous and they were willing to deal with friction, right? Lifting and conditioning and doing and sacrificing those things, it, it would pay off. It would pay off for us down the stretch. Uh, again, this is a, this is a really, really unique group. And, you know, you mentioned about, Hey, how did we do it? Whatever. Hey, I, I grew up under Pat Flannery. Um, when we were at Lebanon Valley, we were a have not, and we figured out a way to, you know, a Mike Rhodes and a Markov Sass and a Jason Say and, and, and so on and so forth. And we were part of a national championship team there. And we went to Bucknell. We were in a league where we were, we were a financial aid school operating in a scholarship league in the middle of that. And we wouldn't, we didn't blame people. We didn't complain. We weren't going to make excuses. We we're going to figure a way out. We were resourceful. And I really believe that that experience with Coach Flannery and, and what I started when I came to Penn State Harrisburg, trust me when I say you couldn't tell if we even looked like we got to the weight room uh, in terms of being organized and things like that. And that that's just saying where, you know, being being in places and knowing what it takes, you have to you have to then you have to be strategic and you have to have a plan. And I think we've got a pretty good plan in place here now. And, you know, you mentioned about Donye, but listen, Nate Curry. You know, he's a young man. He's a sophomore for us from Christ the King. Uh, Brandon Coleman was one of the first high-level kids we got out of Northeastern High School in Manchester. And he's been with me. I mean, he's been through the highs and lows here. He's been through two debilitating injuries that would have caused anybody else to hang up their sneakers and go to the finance world and make a lot of money. And this guy hung in there tight with us when, hey, maybe the ship was listed and we were getting our butts pounded in the CAC. You know, Zeg Scott played for the Roadrunners in Jersey, started off at St. Anthony's. They closed the school, goes to St. Mary's, and he's a guy that just loves to play. He's going to ball out every day, right? And now you start putting these guys together, and, and that's not even talking about Dylan Daniels, who was a skinny kid that maybe some of the CACs didn't think was good enough. He's like second in the country in block shots for us right now. He's skilled, doesn't say a whole lot, but he, his, the way he plays speaks volumes, and you know, they're they're all get along really well. And then the X factor, right? And kind of joking around, one of Donye's teammates, and it's a really great story. He Pedro Rodriguez. These guys, Donye went to Milton Hershey when he was in kindergarten. He's been raised by the Milton Hershey people. And he runs into this kid from Allentown, Pedro Rodriguez. They become like best buddies as like middle school kids. They go through, they go through it, you know. We had to do everything we could to get Pedro to come to Penn State Harrisburg so we could get so that, you know, Donnie then, you know, came through. But we were going after Pedro first and then Donnie was the tag along guy, as, as Pedro likes to tell you that. But what's really cool is, hey, these guys have succeeded in they've succeeded on the court. They're fun to coach. But they also win in the classroom and these guys in terms of internships and connections and you know, we take great pride in being leaders on our campus and, and we want to do things the right way. We want to give, not take. And again, we just try to go there humble and we know nothing's owed to us. Earn it. Sure. Uh, Dylan Daniels, 13 points a game, 12 and a half for Nate Curry, Brandon Coleman, 11 and a half. You mentioned, uh, I think you mentioned uh, Zagary Scott. 
nine points a game. And then there's Pedro Rodriguez, as you mentioned, six points a game. Um, by the way, Daniels and Curry, eight rebounds a game. Rodriguez has got four of his own. Uh, Assist-wise, uh, Scott, six and a half per game. You look at, uh, by the way, assist-to-turnover ratio of three and a half to one, which is staggering for anybody. And, of course, all of those guys, Sons, Daniels, he gets about a steal a game. Everybody else is multiple digits. Uh, two, or not multiple digits, multiple steals per game. Um, listen, the reality is the – I'm still going to try and get used to the United East isn't the name of a conference – uh, is is what it is. It's only going to take you guys so far. You're, you've got Lancaster Bible certainly has been challenging the past few years. They're behind you. St. Mary's has entered the conference, so they're five and five this year. They're four and zero in conference play. Uh, Wells is having a decent year at eight and six or two and three in the conference, but the rest of it, Abingdon certainly having an interesting year. But it's only going to take you so far. You you know what you need to do this season. I am assuming everybody else understands what they need to do this season. It may be nice to get a win over Scranton, but what you really need to do is go win the conference. We must win the conference. And and that's where, hey, the fun thing now is we are the hunted and we've embraced it. And that's why it's one game at a time. If you start to try to, like, if we start going in here, we got to do this, this, and this, it gets too overwhelming. You can't do it. And we got to stay the most important win for us. The most important game for us now is going to be number 14. And that happens to be now Lancaster Bible. And that's where all of our focus is. And I think our guys, our guys recognize that. And that's the beauty of having veteran guys. Um, you know, last week, you know, we played, we played a couple opponents, but this tells you a little bit about, you know, maybe guys going out and hunting their shot. First half, we had 20 on last Tuesday, we had 20 field goals and 20 assists in the first half. On Saturday, we played Abington, and, and we played. That was one of the best defensive efforts I think we've ever we've had since I've been here at Penn State Harrisburg. And I know, you know, Coach Flannery would be very proud of that. Is we had thirty four field goals and we had thirty assists. So our guys do a pretty good job of sharing the basketball and and looking for each other and not out there hunting and trying to get theirs. And I think you see our numbers our numbers go that way too. I know your coach is going to have uh, he's going to certainly root his team on. But is this a top 25 team in reality, or, or is it just on the outside and good enough to compete? Listen, it's not what I think. Of course it's a top 25 team, but it doesn't matter. You know why? Got to be earned on the court. Yeah, fair. We can speculate. We can go out there and, hey, ifs and buts, right? You know, if I, if I was a little better looking, maybe I'd be a model, right? Well, I would be. But I got a voice. I got a face for TV. I got a face for, face uh, for radio. radio, yeah. Gotcha. But, hey, we don't get into that. And we talk and, – and listen, that's a little chip on our shoulder. Sure. Um, and why not? But, listen, it doesn't matter talking about it. Well done is better than well said. And we've got to win games. And, and we know that. And, you know, our kids our kids are they're proud of that. I love that. Well done is better than well said. Hold on a minute. Going to have to write that down. Um, other question, UE – I can't do it. UEC, United East. I, I, man, <laughs> bad habits. Can't, get, can't break them. Um, you guys got moved into Region 4, which is the Atlantic region, the old Atlantic region, while the CSAC got moved into the, into the Region 5, the Mid-Atlantic. Not that it matters maybe in the grand scheme of things. Your thoughts, having been a former uh, RAC member and, and uh, knowing how it all works on the national level, what, what's your thoughts on being in a different look now? You know, I, I just lo- I thought that, you know, for us going into it, when we did our scheduling early uh, last year and then trying to finagle a little bit with scheduling, we tried to get the Mary Washingtons and the Muhlenbergs and, and the Scrantons on there to, to give us a boost that way. So that if we got into that, 
we we wouldn't get put into a pod where we were going to be, you know, probably in the Hopkins pod, we were probably the lowest seed. You know, I, I heck, I remember, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, when we, I remember doing that, that introduction. I don't think Coach Loeffler mentioned Penn State Harrisburg or us by name. They, they didn't even know us. And we want to become a little more relevant. And, and again, the way you do that, real simple. Um, the 365 days we had leading up to this season, our 85 pound dumbbells at Penn State Harrisburg weigh the same ones they do at Illinois Wesleyan or at Randolph Macon. Our Wilson Solutions are the same diameter of what they have at Villanova. Our courts and our rims are the same one. Our, our, our library study halls, our smoothies, everything in between. We're going to bloom where we're planted and make the big time where we're at. And if, if uh, it's not good enough, we'll, we'll walk away and we'll hold our head high. But I like our chances with our guys. I really do. Hey, uh, I know I know your name's Don Friday, but we don't need to be starting to pretend you're uh, some guy out of Hoosiers, okay? Um, <laughs> we already got the cool last name. We don't need to be deep, digging deep. Uh, hey, listen, appreciate the time. I uh, appreciate the insight as well. Um, fascinating team. Again, been on my radar for a while, but I wanted to wait for the right moment. I felt this was the right moment to get you guys on and talk about. Uh, is it Nimby Lions? Is it Lions? What is it? It's the, it's the Lions. Okay, it's just the Lions. Okay. Yep. When you have the whole Penn State thing about none of you get to have your own logo and, and mascot, just mind blowing to me, but I digress. Yeah, hey, and I'm lucky. Our athletic director was a great Penn State standout at University Park, Rashawn Carlton. And he's the guy that took a chance on me after I got fired at St. Francis. I mean, I sent out 40 resumes and heard 40 no's. 41st worked, and Rashawn gave me an opportunity. So I'm, I'm forever indebted to him. And you know, I'm not above the game. I, I'm a, I'm a basketball survivor and I, I love it. And I, I get paid. I steal, I'm stealing money from the church. I get to I get to coach a kid's game. How, how lucky am I? Hey, no, I hear you. Uh, and I appreciate you coming on. I always love our chats. I love our chats off air as well. Uh, we should do it more often than I, than I give ourselves credit. And someday I'll get up there for a game too. It's not that far from the Hoopsville hey. studios, but we'll, we'll get to get through this COVID thing first. We'll get you a Hershey bar and we'll get you set up with VIP seats in our luxury box. You're, now you're talking to my, oh, to the luxury box. Uh, we got luxury box. No, I know. But now you're talking, you're talking Hershey. You're talking my son and family's language. We love Hershey. Hey, uh, take care of yourself. Good luck the rest of the way. I know I'll be chatting with you down the road. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah, real quick. I'd like to say, I'd like to thank my coaching staff of, you know, Jeff Frank, Gary Jaroski. Anthony Morgan and Sam Schlosser, uh, those guys do a great job. And, you know, I would say this. I think the coaches out there that are coaching small college basketball, we're great. We have a forum with you. Our men and women at this level are fantastic young people uh, that are committed to their craft. And, hey, as these coaches have gone through these last 18 months, kudos to all of all of the men and women that are coaching out there. And, and they're, they're dealing with COVID because they're doing it for the kids. And lastly, I think for the student athletes, the thing I would say is, this is the best time of your life as a young adult where you've grown into that. Enjoy the relationships, enjoy the opportunities to put your sneakers on every day and compete and represent your school. The relationships you take with you, they're going to last a lifetime. And Hey, don't get caught up on the number of Roman numerals after the division you play in your college athlete bloom where you're playing. Going to have to steal that one for the, for the archives as well. Don, you're going to come on every day, every show, just for some wise wisdom. I appreciate it. You take care of yourself. uh, Thanks again for the time, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. You bet. We are. Penn State. Very well done. Don Friday joining us.
on the Hoopsaw Hotline presented by Blue Frame Technology. Great to chat with him. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll switch gears. Another conversation we love having, Andy Yasinoff from Emmanuel Women's Basketball will join us on the Hoopsaw Hotline, talk about his Saints and how they're doing this season, including the GNAC. You're listening to Hoopsaw presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We'll even try and fix the audio glitch in the commercial break. You never know. Maybe we'll find some inspiration from Don Friday. Back with more after this. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I used to never really talk. Ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. And welcome back to Hoopsville. Whoa. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, bear with us. The audio's, the audio's a little glitchy. Uh, it's doing it to us again. It likes to do this. Hold on, hold on. We're going to give it a second to, re- to recover from how I speak normally, I hope. All right. Nope, still going to act up for a moment here. Sorry, folks. It, we're <laughs> we'll do it this way. All right, now we're, now we're going to just cook with gas this way. Welcome back to Hoopsville. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways you can interact with us. Uh, talking women's basketball, one of the teams that we uh, certainly always love in, uh, focusing on is Emmanuel Women's Basketball. They are a team that uh, is certainly consistently good every year, uh, no matter what they put on the floor. Andy Yasinoff has a program that is uh, inherently good, as it were. Um, they are 11-1 this season, 6-0 overall. Uh, one of the more interesting things I find with them is the fact that their one loss was to Amherst, by eight in a game that those two often play. But they've got some really good games outside of that. They've got some victories, but as always, they kind of fly a little bit under the radar. But we love getting Yandy on the show and discussing things and how things are going from his perspective. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the aforementioned Andy Yasinoff. And hopefully we can hear him because, to be honest with you, I may have plugged things in the wrong spot again. But Andy, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing good. Can hear you well. Thanks so much for taking the time. Hey, no um, first and foremost, eleven and one, six and zero. Oh. Hey, we're for the last umpteenth amount of years, we're used to you getting nineteen, twenty plus wins a season. It seems to be synonymous with the program, and you certainly make your splashes. But how's this year in comparison, especially coming off of uh, COVID? Well, 
Well, we've, uh, we got off to a great start. It's, uh, it's really nice after last year not playing any games. And, uh, we're, you know, we're, we've been playing uh, pretty well. And uh, we're very optimistic that uh, we're going to finish the year on a high note. Yeah, certainly playing well. I mean, listen, you lost to, to Amherst, but it was by eight points. That's nothing to, to, to sneer at or, or laugh at. You've got wins over MIT and Moravian. You've got um, other big wins, especially in conference against St. Joseph's uh, of Maine. It seems like everyone's bought in like they normally do. How did you get everybody re-motivated or refocused coming off of the COVID year? Well, you know, last year we had about seven, seven of my players were freshmen were on campus so we did practice for three months and then we uh you know we we got going uh in october and you know my upperclassmen who were not on campus were very excited to have uh three three seniors plus uh jamad finn a graduate student so they uh you know they were were all ready to run and uh you know they were excited about playing this year and so we got off to we're getting off to a pretty uh good start we had a Good game with Amherst. Uh, we hung right in there the whole game, and uh, and uh, you know the sky's the limit if we can keep it going. Oh, certainly, certainly nothing to, to uh, joke about. I mean, Lily, you're you're playing so well. You lost the D three Hoops.com Classic. We were certainly looking forward to having you out there. Um, not anything controlled, but you. But that gave you a, a significant break. Did that in in a way become a blessing in disguise? Well, it it, it sort of did because. Uh, Unfortunately, 12 of my 15 players came down with COVID, and uh, including you know you're truly my, myself, and uh, so we, we didn't we didn't get together for over 20 days because um, we were excited about coming to your Vegas, your, you know your, your tournament down there. But seemingly we came back January second, and uh, uh, luckily a lot of the uh, players worked out after they uh, recovered from COVID and. Uh, you know, we, we were, you know, we got we got going. We played, uh, I think, the first first game of January fifth. So we got we got going early, um, and you know, things have been working out pretty well. Talking to Andy Yasinov here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline. Whoop, our audio sky high again, folks. Sorry, fixing that now. Uh, he joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline from Emmanuel. The program is eleven and one overall, six and zero. Oh in GNAC play, coming off of a win against Albertus Magnus. You're supposed to have a couple games coming up here, Coach, against Norwich and Colby. Uh, the game against Colby was called uh, a little while back, the Norwich game just yeah. recently getting postponed. You're kind of having to do this uh, this little tap dance, as it were, with the schedule. Is is it kind of a go-with-the-flow thing, or can this get a little bit stressful? It gets a little stressful. You know, we were supposed to go to Norwich tomorrow, but they, they you know, they had their... Uh, COVID problems, and then uh, Kobe, uh, I guess, had similar issues. Uh, and uh, last week, we were supposed to play, uh, 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 we had a game, and then instead, we went up to Kobe Sawyer. Uh, that's, that's something we have to adjust to. And, you know, I, I'm not in love with it, but, uh, you know, we're ready to play. We'll, we'll go anywhere, anytime. So, sure. You know, that's- sure, makes sense. I, I'd go anywhere, anytime, if I could, too. If, if it meant getting to... Getting to play, that, that's all that really matters in the grand scheme of things. Uh, Riviere is technically your next opponent coming up on the 20th, and then Johnson and Wales on the 22nd. Are you going to try? Obviously, you'll try and, I assume, make up the Norwich game. Is I assume the Colby game, as it being labeled as canceled, is a loss. 
Will you try and make that game up, or because you got so many games in conference, is the focus got to be on the conference and, and only the conference? Well, um, we're hoping we're going to make up that Norwich game because uh, I, I, no, I've already lost two games, and I'm, you know, we we want to play every game we got, and I'm, I don't care if we have to play four or five nights in a row. We want we want to play, and my players are hungry, so you know we have to work around uh, the other schools in our league and. You know, they've had a lot of cancellations, but we're ready to go. We'll, we'll play any time, any, anywhere. Nothing against the rest of the conference. It's pretty much you guys and St. Joseph's of Maine, both with 11 wins on the season. They've got three losses, including the one to yourselves at 5-1 and one in conference play, coming back on the 8th. You guys beat them uh, at your place by eight points. What was, what was the big key in that game, and how important was it to get that win at home before you face them again at the end of the month? Well, St. Joseph's, as you know, as a very strong team. In fact, they beat Bozen this year, and um, they uh, I think they lost the base by one or two points. And, uh, you know, yeah, they're a very tough team. They run this uh, outstanding motion back to our offense, and it was a very tough game because they have a whole, they don't much size, but they have a, great, a bunch of three-point shooters. But we, uh, the last four or five minutes were really, of the, of the game, we, we really picked up our defense, and now we're gonna, you know, we gotta go down there again, way 29th for uh, for the rematch. It's the first time we've ever played St. Joe's twice in a regular season. Yeah, that's gonna twist you, Genac, a little bit of a different look this year. You'll face them off twice. Uh, you can't just get that one done and dusted and be done with it. But in some way, it'll it'll it could even help your resume a bit for NCAA's. Well, definitely, yeah. So, you know, the more tough games that we play. Uh, the more ranked teams that we play, obviously, it uh, it helps with uh, the, the potential NCAA tournament in the seeding at the end of the year. So we, you know, we want to we want to play tough teams. Got a couple, or at least one non-conference game in Coast Guard coming up in February, and I know that'll be important for you guys. Let's talk about the team a little bit here. Um, it's not a. I'm surprised the numbers aren't. Larger. I guess I'm just gotten very used to large rosters, but you still have significant numbers on this team. You're led uh, by three players, essentially in double figures. Two of them are upperclassmen, and one's an under is, is a first year. Yeah, you got Lorendano Diagostino. I can say that normally if I don't look at her name. The, um, the senior, eleven and a half points a game, seven rebounds a game, two assists per game, um, also two steals per game, and you have Jamon Finn. Uh, the graduate, 11 points a game. She's pulling in four rebounds, two and a half assists, as well with two steals. And then it's that freshman in Yanni Chan, 9.3 points a game, 3.3 rebounds a game, two and a half assists a game, two and a half steals a game. Those three, very similar numbers across the board. Yeah, well, we, we've been uh, very lucky. They, uh, and, and also, you're forgetting uh, my other cast, one of my other senior captains, Riley. Ryan Wayne has been, uh, you know, sensational. Uh, Played our best defensive player, and uh, she, she's you know, she's been a star for the last four years. Um, Lauren Diagostino is you know is uh, you know has done a tremendous job down on the block, and she's very tough tough to stop. Jamad, uh, you know, more more of a she plays in the guard position. She has a lot of, lot of uh, special uh, uh, drives and great uh, very good three point shooter. And Yanni um, is a freshman from Hong Kong. Uh, when I picked her, uh, you know, she she'd never been in the United States before, and um, she's done a sensational job um, starting for us. Besides Riley and 
and Corey Mathis is another uh, senior from Atlanta, from Atlanta, Georgia, who's, uh, who's been our point guard. So we we have a very balanced uh, offensive team this year, and we have we have a very strong bench. We have a lot of depth uh, coming off the bench. Interesting enough, our last guest from Harrisburg and you guys have had the exact same starting five all season, and that's somewhat of a rarity because of how COVID has affected things. Um, and the fifth we haven't talked about is Corey Mathis. Uh, she's one of your starting guards. Of course, Mathis brings to the table you know, the ability to run that offense that is so key for you. Uh, certainly didn't want to forget Riley. Uh, we were going to get to her. She's got 8.7 points a game, Chan and 9.3. But, again, you've got depth because just looking at things, let's see, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, you're running – 12 players in almost every single game, plus another four that have played in at least seven. You're, you've, that's, that is huge when it gets to late January and February when you can have that kind of depth. Yeah, no, there's been uh, many games that are actually all 15 players have played in the first half. So we, no, we have, we're, we're very lucky. We have a lot of depth. We have a lot of uh, length up front. And, uh, you know, all, all, all 15 players of mine, uh, I've contributed this year, so that's that's our strong point is our depth. And I, you know, we like to play that fast full court game, and you need, you know, you need to have, you know, you need a lot of energy off the bench, and we've been lucky to to have that. Andy, you've got 864 wins. Um, you're in your 45th season. You're the first coach in Division Three to get to 850 wins. Obviously, the winningest coach in Division Three history. Um, Every time I talk to you, I don't feel like you're in your 45th season. I feel like you're in your 25th season. You've got a ton of energy. You're looking forward to the season. You're looking forward to the next game. You're doing something or one another. Is retirement or not coaching even part of your thinking ever? I don't know what that word means. Yeah. Uh, reti- retirement, come on. I don't know. You know, my, uh, you know, you know luck- luckily, uh, age, uh, does well in my family. My father, Louie, died at 99. Um, and I, uh, I I, love what I do. And uh, it's so exciting to me. I love recruiting. And uh, as, long as, uh, as, long as, as long as it's fun and I'm, you know, I'm healthy. And so I, I, a, I can't tell you. I don't even know what that word means. <laughs> Andy, I don't mean to date myself, but you, you started coaching at Emanuel a year and a half after I was born. Really, God! Yep. I didn't realize you were uh, that old. I thought you were much well, older than that. <laughs> That's one way to look at it, sure. But I was going to say is, <laughs> I mean, there are times I feel run down just going about my normal day. I can't imagine being in your forty-fifth year coaching. Is is it different every year? Do you find ways to make it fresh and exciting and different for for you, or do you like, for lack of a better description, the sameness? Um, in fact, by the way, I started coaching uh, at the University of Rhode Island, and uh, it was actually about my fifty-fifth year. Well, true. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Good so, point. Don't forget my roadie Rams. Um, no, no, I, I know. I, I, obviously, you got to adjust to your your team every year. But I, I play, the, I play the same styles. I use the same press. All my opponents, all the coaches with the other teams, know my numbers that I call out. And you know, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm lucky. I have great, great players, and even you know, even uh, better students off the court. And you know, we have a great alumni 
uh, Adam Manuel that, you know, that played for me for these years. So it's, uh, it's fun. You ever thought about, I can say. you ever thought about not being as intense on the sideline? I know we've talked about that in the past. Have you found a way to, to curve it a little bit? Cause every picture I see with you, I feel like you're going to lose your mind. Uh, no, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't want to make uh, all my referee friends uh, unhappy. They wouldn't even know what to do if I just sat down. So I, I like um I like I like the uh, the fun of being part of the especially part of the defense. So they they don't particularly like my running up and down the court, but um, I'm not changing now. I love it. I know the last time we had you at the D three hoops dot com classic, you had lost your voice if memory serves, and you were still yeah. yelling on the sideline. That that sounds like me. Yeah, no, it's awesome, and and I wouldn't expect it any other way. And it's what makes you great, and we love chatting with you. Uh, it certainly puts a manual on the map, and that's important for a whole host of reasons. Uh, it's going to be an interesting battle with you and St. Joseph's at the top of the conference the rest of the way, but we look forward to seeing how you two fare the rest of the way as well. And I really thank you for your time. I know you're busy tonight, and I appreciate you carving out a spot for us. As always, you give the coach, though, the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? All right. My final words is that hopefully everyone stays healthy, get vaccinated, and uh, – and let's have, let's have a great summer when, when this is all over. That's all I can tell you. Well said. Well thought. I, I, am, I endorse it fully. Hey, take care of yourself, will you? Look forward to talking to you down the road and, and stay in touch. Great. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. He's Andy Yelsenoff joining us from Emmanuel. Again, team is 11-1 overall, 6-0 in the conference. It's basically just them and St. Joseph's to watch in the conference. Uh, others are certainly having decent seasons conference-wise, just not out of conference. But we'll keep an eye on and see how they do. Uh, they got, again, two games this week were postponed. They got Riviera coming up on the 20th and the Johnson and Wales on the 22nd. Uh, then home against Regis of Massachusetts on the 24th. Take another break. When we come back, we'll talk to the number three team in the country. Illinois Wesleyan Titans men's basketball coach Ron Rose talks to us. Fresh off their win, come from behind style against uh, Elmhurst. You're listening to Hoops Show presented by D3Hoops.com from the, the NABC studios. More after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. 
And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Oh, of course. See, this is the weird thing with our audio. Hold on, folks. We're going to fix this. Our audio is all over the place of late. I've had pros of mine who are colleagues who know this system well who can't figure out why our audio is all over the place these days either. But I digress. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Well, not not so much WBCA. We still give them some love. Um, of course, our guests are on the um, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville hotline. Um, you've got questions for us. All that information scrolling at the bottom of the screen is how you can get in touch with us. Coming up, uh, Bob Quillman joins us with uh, Ryan Scott. Give a breakdown of the top 25. Honestly, I haven't even looked at the top 25 today. It came out shortly before the show, and I haven't even looked at it yet. Uh, so, which means I also haven't done my homework for the dubious deep dive and debatable teams. So I'm riding the coattails of the boys coming up. Don't forget, uh, we'll be on the air Thursday as well, 7 o'clock Eastern time, as we continue to try and mess with our audio here. Um, So there you go. All right, let's talk about one of those teams in the top 25. They're number three in the D3Hoops.com top 25, at least the last one. I can't imagine that has changed, as I literally call it up in front of us now. They are the number three team in the country. Illinois Wesleyan had a big game today against Elmhurst, uh, and they agreed to come on the show nonetheless. Uh, Came from behind to win that one 80-76. Their two losses are in a span of eight days, losing to Wheaton and Wash U with uh, North Central sandwiched in between as a win. And, of course, the Titans got the big victory over then number one Yeshiva uh, out in New York City on a day everybody was watching on December 30th, 73-59. I, I slow-walked this one as long as I could because I just wanted to find the right time to talk to the Titans because... I didn't want to. I didn't want to go early. I didn't want to go late. I didn't want to go too soon. I didn't want to go when everybody was talking to him. But at some point, you got to get off the pot. And Ron Rowing, Ron Rose joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, sir. It is good to see you. Thanks for the time. Well, it's good to see you, my friend. And appreciate you having me on. You know, this could have gone a lot of different ways. You know, when we were down ten with nine minutes to go, this would have been uh, probably wouldn't be in as good a mood for this conversation. I was going to say you were down ten with, at uh, that point. I'm sure the first thought you had was, "Darn it, I got to go on Hoopsville tonight and talk." <laughs> Dave's going to give me a hard right? time. I, mean, I know that was first on your mind, right? <laughs> we got to win this one for Dave. That's was <laughs> that was what I said during the timeout. And they all looked at you and go, who, why? No, stop, coach. Yeah, hey, I really, it was a great win. El- Elmhurst is a dynamite team uh, led by Jake Rohde. He, he's a, he's an All-American uh, caliber guard. And uh, it was a physical, hard-fought game. Uh, we're fortunate to be at home. I think some of that shirk magic helped us. Our fan base helped us kind of push us through a little fatigue late. And uh, we're fortunate to make a, a few plays few plays went our way and and uh uh th- those cciw games we've had because of covid postponements uh we've had three in a row you know we normally don't play on a monday so it was a monday matinee at two um but now we play wednesday saturday monday wednesday saturday uh coming up so we've got five big games here in the next 10 days yeah i mean Oh, I got your wrong name on there. We'll fix that in a second. Apparently, you're Don Friday again, so welcome to the show, Don. <laughs> Appreciate your time. Um, more importantly, listen, what I wanted to know was how did that game progress? Because I knew it was going to be a tough game for you guys, not in a negative way. It's just it was going to be. We all for knew sure. it was going to be. But you guys were down at one point. I kept thinking to myself, like, all right, it's a CCIW game. Of course, it's going to be tough. Why Why would it be any other way? But what? what was the key that got you guys kind of around the corner? Well, you know, it was a two-point game at half, and, and we've all year we've really handled the ball well. We, we're not a high turnover team. We're usually 
you know, right around 10. And uh, we had 24 turnovers that they, they turned into, I think, 36 points. Uh, they had, uh, I think, 12 points on second chance points. So there were some areas of the game we did not uh, handle very well. We fortunately shot over 60% from the field. Uh, and when we were down 10, you know, uh, our guys just kept battling. And, uh, you know, once we, the goal at down 10 was, can we get it to five? Can we get it to a two possession game? We were able to do that pretty quick, hit a couple shots. And, uh, and then it was a grind down the stretch. You know, we, we didn't shoot free throws very well either. We did a lot of things. We could have lost this basketball game. The one thing we did do is we competed very hard and uh, hit, and like I said, shot very well and hit some clutch shots. It's, it's interesting to me. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to jump into it now or not, but I, I watched the game against Whedon. I watched a bit of the game against WashU. I certainly watched the game against Yeshiva. I wasn't able to tune in as much as I wanted to today. But what, what, what kind of jumps out at me a bit is, one, I think you guys are really good, and it might be one of the better Titan teams I've seen in quite some time. I, I, I don't know how to date it historically, and that might be too tough. But I also don't know sometimes which Titan team's coming out. Like, am I going to get the Yeshiva game? And we'll talk more about that in a moment. Am I going to get maybe the Wheaton game, which seemed like you were good, but you weren't at your best? Um, or are you going to get a game like today? And again, I haven't watched it, so I don't want to I want to judge it anyway. But where you guys have to kind of grind it out because you're not playing your best. What what's What's causing maybe some inconsistencies, if there are some? I could be wrong. It's just something I'm yeah. seeing or I'm missing. Well, I'd say one thing today, you know, and, and I'm really proud of our team. Over the last three games, we've had we've had COVID situations. So last week we played without two uh, two of our senior starting guards. Mm. Today we were still without Corey No, our second leading scorer, our best outside shooter, a guy that who I I always term you know some you need some guys who are tough shot makers when it's not easy and the offense isn't creating necessarily the exact shot you want a guy that can go get you a basket. So we've really missed Corey for the last three games. And uh, fortunate we're getting him back soon. Um, you know, we've played an incredible schedule. You know, yeah. we, we, we Oshkosh, Yeshiva, uh, Elmhurst, uh, the Wheaton and Wash U losses on the road. Uh, we had a lead against Wheaton. Uh, and, and But, you know, I think what happens is when you play a really good schedule, it does highlight areas you got to get better. Well, this team has consistently defended, uh, but we have had some droughts on the offensive end, and that's something that we need to continue to get better in our execution um, so that we we can score in a variety of ways. I think um, our depth is growing. That's a, that was an area we had a lot of experience, but we're also um, introducing some, some what we feel is really uh, good, talented young players into the rotation. And so sometimes that, that creates some inconsistency. And I think as our depth continues to grow and our execution on the offensive end, hopefully we won't have some of those droughts. Fascinating perspective. I appreciate that. Cause some of that we can't see, you know, that's sure. not, it's not something I can see on the floor or I might hear it from somebody, but you know, do I take their version of that for, for face value or, or is it something else? And you just don't know how to get into it. I will get into into some of those other games because you have had an interesting schedule. But let me talk about the players first. Matthew uh, Laritz leading the way at 18 points a game, hauling in 11 rebounds as well. Just, just, just an average double double. No big deal. Nothing, <laughs> nothing to look at. Really nothing. Um, one of the top men on the assist category as well. Uh, Corey No, uh, 14 and a half points a game. Luke Yoder, uh, 12 and a half points a game. Peter 
Lambus? Lambesis. Lambesis. I knew I was going to say it wrong. I know Bob will crucify me for that later, but just couldn't get that one out of my head. Uh, 11 and a half points a game. And by the way, Cody Mitchell, eight and a half points a game. Don't want to skip over him because he's not in double figures, but he's got it, the capability of being up in that scoring uh, group as well. And of course, there's other guys too. We'll get to them. Um, and, but it feels as much as you've got a well-rounded, you said score in many different ways. You've got four guys in double figures. You're going to score yeah. in many different ways. It's Larritz that's kind of stirring the drink. Well, yeah, but I think our strength is in our balance. You know, I think if you look at any really good team, you have to have a team that can score in a variety of ways. Inside, you got to be able to shoot the ball. Outside, you got to be able to attack the basket. And um, and we've got that. And so that on any given night, um, you know, one or two players uh, may not be at their best offensively, and you have other guys. And you look over the course of the season, we've had different guys step up at different times. You mentioned Cody Mitchell. Cody Mitchell has led us in two or three games where we wouldn't have won those games had he not had uh, the offensive game he's had. Uh, but what, as you mentioned, you know, Matt Lairds is our go-to guy. Uh, it's nice to have a post player that when it gets tough and this happened today, you can throw the ball into the block. And, and then, it, you know, the, the, the tough decision teams have is you go one-on-one, you're taking your chances against an outstanding post player that can score on the block, has multiple post moves, or if you double, now all of a sudden you've got other guys, you know, that, that are, are we always want five guys on the floor who are capable of scoring. And so if you double Matt, now you're attacking a scrambling defense with really good players and it opens up the floor for others to, to do their thing. Um, you certainly have seen that in many different ways, to be honest. Uh, a lot of guys, a lot of games, you kind of see whatever you guys have seemed to have um, or take what the, what the team's given you. To some degree. Yeah. And you got to kind of pick your poison against us. You know, the other yeah. thing about Matt is Matt can step out on the floor. And so that's really uncomfortable for, for most post players that they know they have to guard outside the arc. And now for us, because you have to guard Matt behind the arc, it opens up cutting lanes and driving lanes for our guards. And, and we have several that are very good at getting to the basket. You, the two games I want to focus on primarily before we let you go, Wash U and Yeshiva. I want to start with the Wash U game because mm-hmm. that was the game ahead of Yeshiva mm-hmm. that I remember watching parts of it and going, you know, here's that team I'm not sure what I'm watching. Like, is yeah. is this a Titan team? I Or is Wash U that good? Or is it a combination of both? Or maybe they're just having an off night. Uh, any of that is certainly possible. You guys didn't shoot horribly. Three point, yeah, four for 17, not really probably what you wanted, but you shot 42% from the floor and 72% from the line. You out-rebounded Wash U in that game, but you guys lost by 10, and, and some would argue it wasn't even a 10-point game. What was it about that Wash U presented there that kind of didn't work for you guys? Well, I think you hit it. it was a little bit of both. I thought they played tremendous. They, had, they, they played a very good, and they are a really good team. They are legit top five team in the country on their, on their floor. Um. And so I noticed you said I, I, on their floor. Okay. Well, well that, that, there is a difference. Correct? No, I know. I'm I mean, just they, having fun. There with is it. Not, I'm not taking anything away from them. Right. Uh, absolutely not. Because they are a tremendous team and, and, you know, they've got, um, you know, Jack Nolan certainly is a stud, but Justin Hardy is a stud and, and they've got several really good players on that team that, that, that played well that game. They had, it was a game where they had several guys really play well. And, and quite honestly, I'm not sure we had a single guy play as well as they had been playing. We just, we didn't play very well. And uh, they had a lot to do with that. 
um, they, they, uh, I give, uh, I give them a lot of credit. They were ready to play and, um, we didn't shoot the ball. Well, we didn't defend like we've defended. I mean, kind of, we've hung our hat on the defensive end. This, this group, it, it allowed us today, uh, to grind out a win, uh, when we turned the ball over 24 times and, and we didn't defend as well as you need to against a team like Wash U. So, um, you know, it, it, sometimes you have those games, you don't play as well as you need to. And, and when you play Wash U, a top five team, uh, you got to play well to give yourself a chance to win. 11 days later, you played Yeshiva. Uh, you're supposed to play Mount St. Vincent before that. We'll talk about that in a moment. But you played Yeshiva, and it was the opposite. You guys came out on a tear on the road again uh, in probably one of the more hostile environments, at least according to Bob Quillman, probably one of the more hostile environments you guys have had. And I'm not using hostile in a bad way, just – it right. wasn't your crowd. It wasn't your atmosphere. Energy. Tons of energy yeah. in that place. It was buzzing. And you guys come out, and it's like it was you could you could have hit one from the other side of the river the way I was watching the shooting, at least to start. It wasn't a perfect night, certainly, by any stretch of the imagination. You guys finished 10 of 23. But at one point in that first half, you guys couldn't miss. Guys yeah. were wide open. What was it that you saw against Yeshiva both offensively and defensively that you thought you could and did take advantage of that led to what was a pretty dominating game for most of it? Well, again, uh, it was a great atmosphere. I mean, it, the, the I don't know if I've been part of a non-conference game with the buildup yeah, <laughs> that, that, that one had. And, uh, and, I, and boy, I tell you, the Yeshiva supporters – have really embraced that team and created a, a really neat experience for, I think, both teams. Uh, you know, our guys were geared up. It, it We had the game before we were supposed to play Mount yeah. St. Vincent. And and to be honest, for for our game, our preparation, it helped that that game was canceled. I was going to say, if really that focus. game took place, could, do you, could that game against Yeshiva evolve the way it did? I don't think so. I don't think we would have been nearly as prepared had we had to prepare for Mount St. Vincent and then played Mount St. Vincent and the next night played Yeshiva. It's certainly by having that game canceled, it gave us three days to focus on our game plan and how we wanted to approach uh, defending them as well as executing offensively. And and we came out, you know, I think the, the first two shots, uh, we hit two threes in a row. So we, we, we have a six-point lead and there's a big difference on the well, road. You punched them. Yeah. I mean, we, we, when you're playing from a lead, uh, that energizes you. And because uh, that place, I'm telling you what, if they go on, a, if they go up 6-0, the place is bonkers. I mean, they, 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 they cut it to, I think, I don't know, 15 and the place was going crazy. Yeah, true. They were, they were ready to really support that team, which, which uh, uh, what a cool, what a cool thing uh, Yeshiva has there um going with that program so I think we just executed at a really high level we got the ball where we wanted it and uh, I for the first 30 minutes I'll tell you the last 10 minutes um we weren't very good at all I, oh I yeah expected, different game yeah we, we did we turned the ball over again and that that is a consistent thing when we take care of the basketball and get good shots we shoot a, if you look statistically we shoot a very high percentage from the field usually because we take care of the ball and take good shots during those stretches where we turn the ball over or have empty possessions, usually is when we get in trouble. I was talking to another coach, and I've talked to a few. I'd love to get your take on it. I'm not certainly don't want to bust up Elliott's offense necessarily, 
But there's been a lot of coaches who, who look at Yeshiva's offense and go, man, it is one of the more complex motion offenses I've seen. They execute it so well. They do blah, 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 X, Y, Z, Z, Z. I talked to another coach the other day. They're like, yeah, it's, an, it's a simple one to guard. And, and to some degree, watching what you guys did, I remember scratching my head. I'm like, that's not what I've seen anybody do is guard Yeshiva well and, and kind of take them out of their, their style. What was it that you saw in their motion that you were able to figure out? And I'm not saying go and give us the full breakdown of Yeshiva. We don't have that kind of time. But what was it that you were able to figure out that you took advantage of? And to that degree, was there also an element that they just weren't themselves? Well, I, you know, um, I think it was it was the flip of Wash U for us. Okay. We played well. They didn't play as well. Gotcha. And sometimes that happens in a oh, match when you have two heavyweights. And, and so I'm sure they look back and wish they 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 could play that game again because they didn't have they didn't play as well as they had been playing. Yeah. In terms of strategically for us, you know, they they run great motion offense. Yeah. Uh, it's unpredictable. Uh, their spacing's tremendous. Their screening actions really good. Uh, we went into it and simply said we needed to to pressure the basketball to try to get a hand up to to. So we didn't want them just picking their pass because if you allow them to pick their pass and see over you, they'll pick you apart because they have tremendous, they're really unselfish. And then we wanted to deny the ball in certain spots where we felt they wanted to run their offense, that they were exceptionally good at running their offense. Um, And so there were certain areas we wanted to deny the basketball because uh, low post, high post, make it difficult to catch there because they run their offense through those areas. Interesting. Yeah, I appreciate it. So, okay, gives me a good idea of understanding what you guys are doing when I'm just trying to watch the game. And obviously, yeah. it's about execution, and you guys executed, certainly, in that one. You know, the other thing is we have several really good defensive players on our team. And so, um, it, you know, uh, you know, a guy like Pete Lambesis, Ryan Terrell is is a phenomenal player. But he he's – Pete at 6'4", long and athletic – is, you know, most people don't have anyone that could possibly match up with as versatile player as Ryan is. You know, a six, 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 seven wing, that that's a hard matchup at our level. Having a six four defender like Pete no, he uh, did well. give, gives you gives you a fighting chance. Yeah, no, and he so he did real that, well. That really helps. Yeah, no, he did exceptional. Hey, before we let you go, rest of the conference. Unfortunately, you can't go undefeated in the conference, but that's like saying you're gonna go win the lottery. Um actually you got a better chance of winning the lottery. Yeah, uh, I, yeah let's be honest. Um, North Park ahead, Carroll and Elmers. Interesting enough, all three on the road. Yeah. That's and Carthage. Carthage is a postponement. So we play Monday. With ah, I didn't see that so one. Okay. We have four road trips now. And to be honest, the, the timing uh of having our COVID issues, we played all our games at home. So that was a huge advantage that if we're gonna find a way to grind through some uh missing some guys on our roster, that was the time to do it. Uh, we will have the band back together. So we'll have everybody available when we go on the road, but road games in the CCIW are tough to, tough to win. So I mean, yeah, we're going to have mean, to be really tough, good and, whew. and, uh, ready to grind out a few here. Yeah. North Park, Carroll, Carthage, Elmers, those four in a row before a non-conference game against Concordia, Chicago. Uh, you finished four of the last six at home. So that's a good thing. What is the key though, to get through the rest of the CCIW schedule as best as possible? Well, I think the consistency, I mean, to win a conference, you, you know, usually the formula is you got to win your home games and then scratch out some on the road. And so this next four games are big for us because these are opportunity to find ways to win games on the road. And, 
you know, we've got a veteran group. We, we have a lot of juniors and seniors that are in the rotation. So they've been to these places. They understand the challenge. And uh, it's going to take a lot of mental uh, um, toughness playing four games in the next eight days, uh, as well as the physical toughness in terms of the fatigue. So I've got, uh, I, I don't, I'm typically not very smart, Dave, in terms of resting our guys and taking days off or resting, you know, taking easy practices, but I've got to be a little bit smarter than I, I was in my youth. Sure. No, I can understand that. Uh, I can't imagine being in your shoes or any coach's shoes for that matter. Well, hey, I, I, I talk him more, but I got to get to the, the guys who want to give me their opinions on the top 25 and maybe talk about you a little bit more. Appreciate the time as always. Good luck the rest of the way. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning well, in? First, I'd say it's great to see you. Yes. It's been a while since you and I have caught up, so it's really fun to see you. I appreciate so much what you do for Division Three basketball, the exposure you give it. Uh, you know, there's just such a greater awareness of teams around the country than ever before. And uh, so I really appreciate you guys. Uh, we follow you uh, closely and uh, look forward to a really a fun end of the season. It, it's going to be an exciting – there's so many good teams, you know, with, with – 50-year players in the COVID, I, it is as uh, – there are more good teams than ever. So it should be it should be a great finish to the season, and, uh, you know, tournament time will be really interesting as, as we get closer to that as well. No, thanks again, though, for having me on, Dave. Hey, well, thank you for coming on. Good to see you as well. Uh, again, thanks for the ride home from barbecue back in uh, Fort Wade. <laughs> you gave up that we went for barbecue, didn't you? I had to, man. I had to. Never passed up the barbecue. The barbecue was too good, sir. It was too good. Uh, hey, Fort take... Wayne, we got to tell them Fort Wayne has good barbecue. They do. Everyone needs to make it over to the Final Four for it this year. And I'll be able to walk this year, hopefully. So uh, hopefully you won't need your ride in the van, but I appreciate it nonetheless. You take care of yourself. Look forward to talking to you down the road. And uh, stay safe and healthy as well. That sounds great. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Ron, Run... Ron Rose, join us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Fun to chat with him. As always, Titans looking good this year, folks. Um, we'll see how uh, they've survived. <laughs> that is a gauntlet coming up. Four games on the road uh, in conference play. Everybody gunning for you on top of that. We'll see how it plays out. We'll take another break. When we come back, we talk to the boys about the top 25. We do our double take with Ryan Scott and Bob Quillman. You're listening to Hoopsville. Back with more after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
Welcome back, everybody, to the show. There's the audio again, all over the place. Uh, we'll, we'll figure out these gremlins as they go. I got I got a buddy of mine who knows our system very well, and he doesn't even understand why we're having gremlins. You know, I, we didn't. We were fine until I got my son on the show. He just asked if he was a bad omen. Maybe, maybe we just uh, we we uh, we fire him as soon as we had hired him, and and it solves all our problems, right? Just saying, just a thought, just a thought I have out there. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Uh, we'll try and answer your questions if we can. Double check. If we haven't gotten an email, we have not. Um, all right, so let's talk top 25. It is out. The new one is out. I've gotten my ballot in. Everybody else has their ballot in. Honestly, I have done about zero looking into it ahead of today's show because that's how we roll. We like to make it interesting and uh, fly by the seat of our pants. So that's why I bring Ryan and Bob on the show as they join us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline to give us their takes of the top 25 while I then do my studying. By the way, the women's top 25 is out as well. No surprise there. The number one team is Hope. Hey, guys, uh, how are you, first and foremost? Uh, uh, Bob, good to see you made it back from Atlanta. Yeah, sorry. I had to miss last week. I hated to do that and leave you hanging, but I I watched the show uh, late that night afterwards. It went great, and so I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me, Dave. You just disagreed with everything we said, and I get that. (laughs) I would, too, uh, because I don't even remember what I said. Hey, Ryan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I, I was saying we don't we don't necessarily need both of us anymore because Bob and I seem to vote the same these days. So that's what <laughs> that is right. Bringing it's a, in some other faces just for the fun of it. Starting next week, we'll see what we'll see. Yeah, what Ryan and I have been on the same page with these ballots for quite a bit of the season. I agree with him, which is weird because usually you guys have very different takes on things. I think I think our biggest takes is get a little deeper, but boy, we've been in lockstep at that top of the poll that, <laughs> for most true. of the year. Well, Top four didn't move this week. Uh, Yeshiva fell from fifth down to seventh as uh, Oshkosh moved up from fifth to sixth, or sixth to fifth. Sorry, I did that backwards. Marietta also jumped up to sixth from eighth. Probably their big wins over Heidelberg and Mount Union doing a lot of the heavy lifting there as everybody kind of reshuffles everything. By the way, Case Western Reserve, first time since 2015. They're in the top 25. Uh, It's about time, people. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I just had to get off get off my chest there. I moved them up as well this week. Uh, Sweet going to the top 25. There's a team I'm still, not that I don't want to vote for them. I just don't have a damn enough room. Ryan, quickly before we get into everything, you made a tweet. Was it last night I saw? You were struggling, and I was with you. It was, it's, it, after a certain point, it it's a free-for-all. Well, it's, it's one of those things, and it happens, you know, usually one week out of the year, and it's usually this time of the year, right, where you, you need teams to fill in sort of like 16 through 20 and the teams, none of the teams you have left, you want to put in the top 20. And so you have to figure out how am I going to justify? Like I yeah. even only tweeted out my top 15 yesterday. Cause I was, I didn't want to take all the flack from 16 <laughs> through 20 because it's not that they're bad teams. They just are probably a little higher than they should be. And, yeah, and the response is always, who are you going to put in instead? Yeah. Good point. Bob, how are you finding the, the, where are you getting to a point where it's just like, oh man? Well, the the bottom for sure, just like Ryan to the bottom's a challenge. Now, I, I will say the flip side, though, is to me the top is very, very clear at this point. In whatever order you want to do it, I think sure. I think the top four is so clearly for me the top four: Randolph, Macon, Platteville, Illinois, Wesleyan, WashU. I flipped Illinois, Wesleyan, and WashU this time because WashU after those two big road wins. Emory and Rochester, and now the head-to-head with Illinois Wesleyan. I finally did the flip. 
And then I think there's a very clear five and six. I have Marietta five, Oshkosh six. And after that, to me, after six is where you could go a lot of different ways. I think Christopher Newport is right there. The bottom, sure. Like I'm the only one voting for Wabash. Uh, I'm their two points, I believe. Um, I didn't, I had Williams, like my number 25. I didn't know what to do at the end, but to me, the top has become very clear. See, I still don't agree with you with Marietta. I know they had a good week. Don't get me wrong. I have moved them up. They're, they're in, they're knocking they scored, on top 10. They scored 70 points in the second half. Oh, trust against me, I took note. I took note. <laughs> certainly did. I just, I know what I've also seen and my, my nervousness, I guess it's more about sometimes I vote and I realize I'm over, I'm, I'm overconfident in a team and maybe I'm underconfident in Marietta. And that's, that's me. That's I'm one voter. I could be seeing it wrong. It is well, the is. other thing, too, is what I would say is you've got to take, and you know this better than I do, you've got to take the whole season. Like, let's say that you watched a game in person in yep. Las Vegas, which you did. Look, that's one. I don't know. Maybe they looked terrible for a few minutes. I'm not sure what happened to you in Vegas, or if, I don't know if they stole your money at the craps table or what happened there. But We're not supposed to talk about that. You, if you look at the whole season, I'm not sure what your issue was with Marietta. They're freaking tremendous. Oh, no, I think we got to get good, you over this. I think they're a good team. I just think the team is ahead of them would beat them. Because the teams ahead of them have something about them that I think is Marietta. How many Achilles teams? Heel. How many teams do you have ahead of Marietta? Where are you putting them? I've got them around top ten. I mean, if you to me, if you have them any lower than six, I, I don't agree with your statement. But we could. It's debatable. We have a section called debatable. Maybe we can come yeah. back to that. Well, we we certainly have. But let, let's dive into those topics. Uh, you yeah. guys, uh, it's always easiest if you start. Let's see, Ryan, you got the the honors last week, I believe, because well, I, I think stole it was just all you. of. Yeah, I stole all of Bob's teams, so yeah, he should did. probably go first. So we'll let Bob start. You can go D. You, any D you want, sir, you start it. Yeah, I'll go. I'll, I'll start this time with deep dive. Okay. And I, yeah, I'm going to go again. I'm just going to go to an easy one because uh, it's it's one that I'm voting for and and no one else is. So I know that this one is very much not a not a lock, but Wabash. I, you know, I I've been waiting all year for an NCAC team that I could vote for because it has felt strange to me all season long to have no Wittenberg, no Worcester, no Wabash, no Ohio Westland in in the top 25, but I couldn't make a case. And so I've been, I've been looking to make a case. I will admit that. Like I've been trying to get an NCAC team in there. Um, I've watched Wabash quite a bit recently you know they they wanted ohio wesley and they beat wittenberg which hey i know wittenberg's not a power this year um they beat anderson i think i think a lot of anderson actually so overall i think wabash is a top 25 team and uh, i was surprised that i was the only one giving them any love that that that's my deep dive i think wabash is a team that um very much belongs at the, the bottom of the bowl i I like. That. I was working hard to try and get them in. Um, I know Jack Davidson's family loves him, and we've been seeing this for five <laughs> years. Anytime we mention him, it, it's never good enough. Um, and he is a really skilled player. He's going to hit probably two thousand career points on Wednesday Wednesday night. Um, but they've got fifth year guys all over that team who've been playing at a high level for a really long time. I saw them at Marietta at the beginning of the season. It felt like they weren't quite there, but it does seem like they've been clicking as they've gotten into the conference play grind. Um, you know, it's it's going to be 
no matter where they end up, they're going to be a real tough out come March. Like no one is going to want to see them no matter who it is and where they end up, because that's a really experienced, good team. And, and I think you're right that they belong right, right there um, towards the bottom for now, but they can certainly yeah. work their way up. No, I, I, I like the Wabash idea. I've, I've had them on my radar. I think those three games where they had postponed kind of just had me put them aside and I didn't come back to them this week as strong as I should have. Um, I agree with you, Bob, everything you said, the NCAC, I've been sitting there, more scratching my head going, is shouldn't I be voting on a team? Yet? Right? It, isn't that supposed to be a thing? Um, and I just haven't felt comfortable. I I think if I took a deeper dive, as the title is intended, on Wabash, I may have tried to squeeze them into my top 25. To Ryan's point, I was struggling a little bit with just who I wanted in there in general. Um, but no, I, I like that one. I, I think what he's doing there and what they've got going is pretty significant. Maybe against a weakened NCAC, but that's that's not how many teams we've seen really good come out of a conference and the conference means nothing about it. So um, I, I like that pick really good pick. Uh, Ryan, what's yours? So uh, it's, it's a team that lost this weekend, which really is what kept them out of the poll, which lets me them be the deep dive here and out of Holland, Michigan. Hope uh, hope is Great the call. team that I'm I'm want to draw our attention to. Obviously, they lost to Albion this weekend, or I think they would have gotten quite a few votes, actually, towards the bottom of the poll from people. Um, they are 10 and five, although one of those losses is to a non D three school. So that won't matter. Um, they lost to Illinois Wesleyan and Platteville, which, you know, are losses you can certainly understand. Sure. And they've, they've beaten St. John's. They went to Benedictine and won. they've, uh, they beat Hendricks, you know, they've beaten Stevens point. They beat North central. It's a, it's a strong, uh, resume that they've put together. And, you know, it's a it's a powerhouse school. They've got size. They've got guards. It's been a little inconsistent, but that's what we're looking at when we're at the deep dive, right? I think what's and, Ryan, I'm, I'm right with you in terms of I was ready to have hope in my ballot, and I was shocked that they lost to Albion. Like, I didn't see – it was Albion at home, right? It was at DeVos. Right. So I was, real, I was ready to put hope in. I think a lot of people were. And the MIAA is just so hard to figure out now when you look at who's winning and who's losing. I think Hope's a really good team. They played Platteville pretty tough, you know, like Platteville pulled away at the end, played them pretty tough. Um, the the non-D1 game that they won, the Cornerstone game, Cornerstone, not that it, it means a lot in Division Three. I think, I believe Cornerstone's fantastic in the NAI world. I think they beat Indiana Wesleyan, I digress. I'm with you on hope and I would have had them if they just beat Albion at home. Yeah. I, I'm struggling a little bit with hope. I know that the conversation about um, how good they are has come up a bit. Cause I've seen it on Twitter. I even replied to somebody cause I made a comment or I answered the question of who gets the, um, the uh, nod this, this year in the even years it's men in the first weekend. Ryan went and confirmed that for us. Uh, and someone's like, oh, that's going to stink for the women. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Like, Hope's got to be hosting on the men's side to even have this part of the conversation, which yeah. forced me to at least look at them. Um, my, You know, listen, lost to St. Saint, Saint Thomas by 15 of Texas. It's not a horrible loss, but it's not great. I don't put stock in the Stevens Point result like you do, Ryan, um, because Stevens Point's 3-8 and eight right now or something along those lines. I, I'm. I think my jury's out on hope. I'm not. I'm not as sold as much. I don't think they would have been in there. But it's. I like that you brought them up as a deep dive, because again, this weekend I was forced to at least go look at them, see what they're doing. Because you're right, they're they've been making waves, 
And I think, again, back to the conversation, the NCAC, it feels weird not to be considering a Hope and a Calvin and, and a Worcester and a Wittenberg and some of these teams we've gotten so used to considering that I did feel a little weird that I'm like, I don't know enough about Hope right now that I need to go look at them. So good choice. Um, I don't really have a deep dive. My deep dive would have been Augsburg, but they got a ton of votes with the win over St. Uh, John's. Uh, my conversation as botched in an interview as I had uh, with their head coach was a tremendously insightful one. I really got to appreciate them better and, and it helped me dive into them more than I thought, geez, why, why wasn't I voting for Augsburg? They were on my radar. That's why I, I chose them as a guest, but then I saw they got a ton of votes. So it kind of wasted my, my uh, thought as them being a deep dive. So I don't want to go too far, but that's a really good program. They're playing really well. And that was a really good game against St. John's. I had them in. I, I was waiting for uh, some MIAC team to put in, either St. John's or Augsburg. The second that the buzzer sounded and Augsburg won, I was f- for sure voting for Augsburg. So I am some of those votes. Yeah, I leaped them. I'm I leaped them big time. This will um, be one of those where you wait for a team. Yeah. They finally win the game. And now Augsburg will go lose the game, right? The next right. time. That's just how this works. Yes. No, that's exactly how this works. Um, by the way, I put them 17th. That's how much I thought of that win and how much I felt like I had not been voting them when I should have been. So um, just there. All right. So uh, that was the deep dive. Let's go dubious. Ryan, uh, we'll start with you. Uh, do, your dubious team. Oh, no, actually, you can go debatable, too, if you want. Well, we can we can stick with the dubious for now. We can debate a little bit later. By the way, um, your audio and video are outstanding tonight. All right. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up Wesleyan. Um, not so much because I I don't think they're a top twenty five team. I just think they're maybe a little bit high. They're sitting at fifteen this week. Um, I have them sixteen, and I'm happy to be. You tell me I am dead wrong. I feel really well, weird voting them there. I don't know that we are right. We 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 don't know what to expect out of this NESCAC this yeah. year. We really don't have a good gauge for how good those teams are. Um, I've watched him a few times. They've got a great player in Sam Peak. He's been out the last couple of games, but I mean, he is a just a, a, an incredible performer. But you know, so they have the the blowout over WPI, which is a little bit head scratching, and then they lose to Williams. They win this triple overtime game against Amherst, which I watched most of. And Amherst was missing one of their big players, and it didn't feel like Wesleyan was the better team in that game. They did come out in the end and win, but. Um, I'm just I'm just not sure they're the 15th best team in the country. I think, you know, somewhere down in, in 20 through 25 or maybe just off the pole, which is where I have them in that little group kind of between 20, 26 and 30. Um, just just feels like they've slipped up a little bit higher than than maybe their their resume has has led. Yeah. And I'm I'm a little bit higher on Westland, so I can't remember. I don't have my ballot in front of me, but I'm I'm a lot higher than you guys. I'm not quite 10, but I might be 11, 12-ish, 13 on Westland. Um, I've had a chance to watch them quite a few times. I value the WPI win a lot because I think very highly of WPI. I think they're very, very good. I watched the triple overtime Amherst game and was impressed by the way that Westland played on the road in that one. Um they don't have a ton of other wins that are signatures and they do have a loss, which is to a Williams team that I can't figure out either, <laughs> but look overall, when I more of an eyeball test thing and I test, I, I feel like when I watch Wesleyan, I'm seeing a, a, a really good team. And at that point of the poll, you know, let's say, let's say I put them 13 ish. That's about right. At that point, you're just making guesses anyway. That's about where I have 
Elmhurst, Wheaton, and those are really good teams. You know, so that part part of my ballot, they're all good teams, but I don't know how to separate them. I think for me, fifteen onward, I'm I I was looking for another eraser because I was I was racing so much, I was wearing most of mine out. I I moved Wesleyan from twenty five last week to sixteen this week. I didn't love it. I had him at twenty two at one point. I had him at seventeen. I had him at twenty. I was moving him around, but I was moving everybody around. I just I couldn't find a spot. I felt comfortable, and eventually I just said, listen, I feel more comfortable with them there than I feel with moving Elmer's higher. I feel with Barry higher or uh, Mary Harden Bale. I mean, whatever team I was picking, I don't feel anybody else higher than that, so we'll put them there. And I think this gets back to a conversation I or, or a point I used to make a lot, and I haven't blogged my ballot in a while, and it's just because I've been busy, and I, I hope to get back to it. But I used to say on that, there are times the top five is here, and I got to put someone six. They're not the sixth best team in the country, but I, got, I can't leave 6 through 10 blank. And I think when I get to about 15, I'm into a spot where I think we got some good teams, but do I feel they're 16? No, but I don't feel anybody else is 16 either. And so you just yeah. kind of have to fill the hole. And that's where I kind of I felt with Wesleyan this week. And I could be dead wrong by next week. Now, I just, they won by Kinetic. They won a Kinetic College by 20, coming off of a win at home against Trinity uh, by eight. So it shows a little inconsistency, but I bought into that they at least seemed to click. And they're not stubbing their toe as much as some of the others. I mean, Amherst has lost four of their last six. Granted, some of that could be COVID. Uh, Williams did not look good, in my opinion, especially in that game against Amherst. And so I just I feel more comfortable with Wesleyan. That's kind of where I ended up with them. Um, Bob, you're uh, you're on dubious, debatable, yeah, dubious right? Too. Or was that debate? That was debatable, dubious. wasn't it? Dubious, dubious. Oh, dubious. You're dubious. Yeah. So my my dubious is a team that I think is is really good. I just think maybe they're they're a little too high in the poll right now based on strength of schedule, and that's St. Joe of Connecticut. The poll is higher on St. Joe than I am at number eight. I'm not that much lower, but um, I'm just wondering, this is more just a general dubious question about them, is they're one of these teams that we don't have a ton to hang our hat on. They beat Tufts earlier without Luke Rogers. So we, I think they beat that version of Tufts. Ryan, correct. You're the Tufts expert. Was They, they won that game without Rogers, correct? Yep. <laughs> so, you know, you, you've got to discount uh, that game a little bit. Babson isn't the Babson of five years ago. Uh, Trinity, Connecticut. Uh, you know, if you if you look at their schedule, I kind of have this thing in my head. I always play like, let's take the game today. If you guys watched Illinois, Wesleyan, Elmhurst. If St. Joe and Elmhurst played, who's the favorite on, on a neutral court? I don't know what the answer to that is. I think it's kind of a toss up. And to me, St. Joe is a little bit too high at eight. And I know it gets hard when they're undefeated. At some point, they just keep going up and up and up. But eight feels too high to me based on what I've seen. Well, and that's one of those that you don't want to bring them too high because we haven't seen them in a a situation where they have to step up in, in quite a while. Now, we have seen them play tough teams in previous years, and that's one of those schools that has basically the same roster they've had for two or three seasons. And so you can project back and say when they have had to step up, you know, they've been able to be physical with an SCAC team. They've been able to, you know, to defend when when there are good guards they're playing against. They just don't have anybody, and their schedule is only going to get worse as they go through the conference conference season. I mean, they're projected to have an SOS well under 500 by the the end of the, the year. And so... You know, it's that situation where, you know, if they lose one game, we're going to have to drop them quite a ways because 
They shouldn't be anywhere close to any of these teams on their schedule. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I've got them right at eight. I've done I've done a very conscious job of holding them where they are. Um, I know I got flack for this a number of years ago. Sometimes I just don't want a team to go any higher with them where they are, and they're holding hard there at eight. Uh, I moved uh, somebody or a couple teams. Yeah, I moved at least one team ahead of them this week. Uh, they're not the only ones I'm holding steady, but that's that's just what I'm doing. I like what I see in their athleticism and what they bring to the table, and, and I like how they play, though I'll admit the eight feels high to me. But again, into this conversation, you, you bring up an interesting point. Would Elmers and St. Joe's on a neutral court, how do they, how do they, how do, how do they see that play out? Until today, I would have told you I thought St. Joe's was, was the team I thought to win that game. The way they Elmers played against Illinois Wesley today, maybe I have to rethink that that perspective. I have Elmers uh, a lot lower, but every time I do my poll, I think can A beat B. That's why I've got them ahead of them, and so I have them at eight. Doesn't mean you're right. Now that they're into conference play in the GNAC, and you know Albertus Magnus is good, but they're not as great as we've been used to. Um, there isn't anybody else really there that's going to the challenge them necessarily. Maybe a Johnson and Wales. We'll see. If they take a loss, yeah, that's a that's a big loss. If they had taken a loss earlier in the season to a Babson or or to, well, if they had come out to the D3Hoops.com Classic and we could have seen them, could have a better gauge on it. But I agree. I, I feel nervous with them at eight, but I also feel confident that I think they would beat those teams that, that I have a, behind them. But, you know, it's like the NFL saying any given Sunday. Uh, we'll see what happens in the next game out. I agree with you, though. The Elmer's example, I think, is a great one. Um, and, and I, and you could pick another team, whatever team you like, you know, you could say, yeah, absolutely. you know, if they played Williams, how would that turn out? So see, I, I think in Williams, they absolutely beat them. They, I don't think that's a lock. I think that's, I think that's a great game and it depends kind of which Williams shows yeah, up, you know, true. like, yeah, good point. I'm just not sure where to put St. Joe. And I feel like I even have them a little high for me and I don't have them quite as high as the poll. So thus my dubious. Oh, no, there's times, trust me, I'm putting a team down and I'm like, oh, Lord, like I've got them way too high. Then the poll comes out and it either confirms I'm on a different rock. Case Western's an example of that. I've I've been high on them for a couple of weeks now. And then there's others that come out. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm lower than everybody. Like, okay, that's an interesting juxtaposition. I don't really have a dubious. We talked a lot about some of the dubious teams. Um, I think Hopkins at 13 is interesting, just for the record. Uh, Losing to Swarthmore the way they did. Listen, I... I, I bought back into Swarthmore. I have been for the last few weeks, been waiting kind of for this game. And I put Swarthmore back in the poll and dropped Hopkins back down. Um, I heard some interesting comments from some people about Hopkins. They may be having an issue trying to figure out that offense a little bit with Delaney there and with some underclassmen who, who it's a little complicated to get into. So maybe Hopkins isn't 13. Maybe Hopkins is a, is a 20 type team right now. Um, I still think they're good, but I'm I'm starting to lose a little confident that they're a top 15 team. So if I were to pick one quick, it'd be it'd be Hopkins at 13. I think that might be a little dubious, especially coming off the loss of Swarthmore. And I, and I like Hopkins a lot. I I mean I I I think what Swarthmore did in that game was super impressive to yeah. beat them. I I was I was higher on Hopkins than most people coming into that matchup. So do, so was I. I had I I like him a lot. I mean I think you put Hopkins in the tournament. And they're going to be hard to to beat with the right matchups in their okay. their brackets. So, uh, what Swarthmore did for me, I like catapulted Swarthmore way up 
after that win. Which is what I did. To give you an example, I had Hopkins 15 in last week's poll. I did not have Swarthmore in the poll at all. Just, I've been wanting to put them in. I just haven't had a good reason to after I got a little bit skittish on how they were playing. After that game, Hopkins moved down to 19, and I put I put Swarthmore at 18. So I bought right into Swarthmore, and I adjusted Hopkins as a result of that. Yeah, I mean Swarthmore jumped 130 points in yeah. the poll with that yeah. with that game, and and they're certainly clicking in a way that they weren't earlier in the season, and it's right. almost the opposite for Hopkins. I don't think that they're quite playing up to to what their potential is, or even what we saw earlier in the season. They're just kind of in a little bit of a lull right now that they they need to figure out. Granted, they put up 99 points against their sinus, uh, two of the top scoring offenses in the in the conference. Uh, Delaney, I think, had 39 in that game for a career high. So they snapped back from it. That's a good sign. But again, a little nervous that they're at 13, but nonetheless, debatable. Uh, Bob? So I'm going to go with the Scots of Maryville of Tennessee. I'm higher than them. I'm higher on them than, than the poll. And again, I don't know what I don't have my ballot in front of me. Um, I am higher more, on them as well. I, t- I test thing, but I'm telling you what. Those dudes are athletic. Yes. When when I watch those guys, I mean that Miles Rasnick kid and Felix Uadiali. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his close. name right. Chase You're close. Chase Ridnauer. Um, I I'm a huge fan. I know they lost the Emory game. I think they were up like twenty to two or something in the Emory game, and then they lost. Had they won the Emory game, they'd probably be in the top five conversation right now. Um, I. What's a challenge with the Scots is you guys know I'm a big strength of schedule guy and they don't have it. They just don't. Their schedule is hard for all of us to evaluate because there's not a lot of great competition on there. And they lost. It's a little bit like the Yeshiva thing in some ways, right? Is they had this opportunity to go win at Emory. At the time, we thought Emory was big time. They lost their opportunity. There's not a lot of other wins that we can hang our hat on. But I'm telling you, if you're watching games for me, I think they are nasty. And I wouldn't want to play him in the tournament. If I saw Illinois Wesleyan against Maryville, Tennessee in round two, I would be like, that's not good. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm big on Maryville. I think they're really good. I, I think this is one of the, the issues that we come across as we get into this, this part of the season where it comes into consistency, right? There's a number of teams that you can say, oh, on paper, right? Or if they play their best game, you don't want to face this team. But have we seen it, right? The only full Maryville game, I watched the entire game with Hamden Sydney. Uh, they were up big in that one. They almost gave it away. Um, and and you could see all the potential that was there, but the execution wasn't. And I know that's just one game that I watched them. It's not all the games. But as you said, when they don't have a super strong schedule, you have to go with the, the few good teams that they've played against, and they've not been at their best against the best teams yet. And so uh, I, I hope we see it. I want everybody to put their best game out there. And I do think they have a potential to be a top 10 team if they've really got everything going. I, 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 listen, I saw them at the, in Vegas. I thought they were the best team out there. Remember Marietta was out there. I thought they were better than Marietta. Um, no, they I played disagree really with that. Well. I like Marietta better, but I think they're closer than most people. But I, I like Marietta here and Maryville a little bit, not yeah, a little got, down the road. I've got them next to, I got them next to each other. I got Mary, Maryville, then Marietta. So they're, they're, they're next to each other. Um, I would love to have seen that game played out there. I mean, we had enough schedule changes that that wasn't going to get pulled off. Um, remember, I think, well, Marietta was supposed to say, play St. Joe's. That, that was the other game that we really were buying in on. 
I, I really like Marietta, uh, Maryville. I, I've talked to some of their guys. Their size might be their only issue. Um, again, kind of that into that. Um, Marietta's got the size. I just don't think they can utilize it as best as possible. Maryville could use a little bit more size, but you're right. They are fast. They are quick. Um, they play really well together. Um, maybe having some pl- trouble playing 40 minutes, you, you bring up the Emory game. They were up 18-2 in that game. Uh, I went and checked it for you. It's, but there's there's they're scary good. You're right. the The schedule's not going to tell us much. Um, I think well in the conference. Well, they're twelve and one right now, two and zero. Oh, you know, there's not a lot of teams in the conference that are going to give us a, a good. Maybe Covenant can kind of give us a little bit of a, an idea. Maybe a game against North Carolina Wesleyan, but I'm not holding my breath. I've talked to some coaches who are really high on Maryville. Really like what they're doing. I think they're a really tough matchup in the NCAA tournament. Anybody who gets them, it's going to be hell. Their tough part is I don't think they can be home. And so they're going to have to be road warriors to kind of pull all this off. Um, I am high on Maryville. I've got them 11. Now, let me ask you this, a a double layer debatable. We're already in the debatable. I'm taking it down another layer just very quickly. So you said you have Maryville and Marietta right next to each other. Now, Marietta. They beat Christopher Newport, mm-hmm. who's great team, highly ranked. Sure. Wabash starting to get votes, although I guess that's just one random dude that's given them <laughs> votes. Uh, Can't count that. <laughs> Randolph Macon, they lost at home. Okay. Um, they beat Otter, Otterbein's a good team this year, spanked him. Um, who else? Ma- they beat Mount Union by a zillion, and they just scored 100 on Heidelberg in a game where they came back. So, philosophically, Dave, here's my question philosophically. Doesn't Marietta deserve to be ranked higher than Maryville of Tennessee based on the fact they've beaten good teams? But I've also like, seen them. You? I've seen them both teams in person, and I've both seen both teams on video. And I like Maryville playing better than Marietta. I think Marietta. I think Maryville would cut through Marietta's team a little bit, especially on the inside. Despite not having size, Maryville's a faster team. They're going to take advantages of opportunities inside. They're going to take advantages of opportunities defensively. They're going to cause, I think, problems for Marietta. I don't like. The, I don't think the matchup's good. I don't think that works in Marietta's favor. I, I'm all. I agree with you. Everything you said about Marietta's schedule, I agree with everything that they've done. I was really impressed with the seventy point um, win or the seventy point half against Heidelberg. I dropped Heidelberg and I moved Mar- Mary, uh, Marietta up. I just think, having seen them in person and seen them both on tape, Maryville wins that game more times than they don't. Okay. That's where it comes down to for me. I'm 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 in a different place, but this is where, yeah. in a subjective poll, we agree to disagree. Well, and that's a game that could take place in the tournament. Absolutely it could. Yeah, because Maryville, by the way, if you talk about the four top seeds and who's going to host, I'm telling you right now, there's two of them you can write down. One's Randolph-Macon and, and two's Marietta. If you Probably. look at the criteria, the criteria, it's it's a unless Marietta implodes, Randolph-Macon's hosting a pod and all the way through, and Marietta is too. Possibly, yeah. Um, yeah, on the other side – you know, you've got some op, you've got Plat- Platteville's one of them, and then it's either Illinois Wesleyan or WashU. But um, it seems weird for a team that is a lock top four seed, Marietta, that you'd be so much lower on them. I mean, they're criteria. fantastic. It is, it's, it's different, but at the end of the day, usually that criteria lines up with what we see. But how many um, times have we seen a team that's a lock to host also lose a game that the, that the, um, 
the matchup just isn't for them. That the, the matchup goes the wrong way for them. I think sure, in a matchup sure, with Maryville, that's a game Marietta is going to struggle with as good as they are. It's not a knock on Marietta at all. I just don't like the matchup. I, I think they would struggle with that athleticism. I just love that now that uh, now that Bob has all of the the Yeshiva fans on his side, he's now working on Southeastern Ohio to get another <laughs> another really big solid group of fans on his side. I need, uh, I need, he's, I need He's something. just going down like the Does attendance list and the screaming, he's just checking the them screaming off. records. He's checking them off. I need, yeah. I need some support. I've spent years getting bashed and now I'm starting to realize the joys that come with people supporting you. So the pandering is just, look, pandering. Hey, here's the deal. If that was the case, I've, I've got every Jewish person in New York upset with me in the last two weeks or so on this yeshiva thing, this the, the dubious thing. So I, I don't know if I'm still in good graces with my friends out there or not, but I generally, I think people know I tell, tell like I see it. And uh, if I was pandering, I would be all over Hope, Calvin, Wittenberg, and Worcester. <laughs> and I've been killing all of them. All I'm saying is I have... Usuals. I have driven to Marietta twice now, so yes, I don't want you on my corner. That's the that's that's the one that I've I've put in the work for that. So. I've, I've, I've driven done, there I've twice nothing. too. I've just watched the stream. That's all I've done. Yeah. I, I got I, uh, I've driven there twice, and one of them was for a game nobody showed up to. Oh, that's right, because Marietta couldn't didn't win the first round. <laughs> um, hey, debatable, Ryan. All right, so this is one I genuinely just want your opinion on. Okay. Um, going through, I like Nazareth. I'm not entirely sure, you know, that, that resume is not weak, right? No. They've had some good wins in there, but I'm not entirely sure what to make of it. I realized as I was going through yesterday that I wish the game today had been played already because I felt like up until Elmer's game today that they had a very similar resume to what Nazareth has in terms of the teams they had beaten and the schedule that they had played. And, and I don't feel like in our minds, we have those two teams on a, on a level field, um, and so I'm voting for Nazareth near the bottom of, of my poll. And I think they're pretty strong, but I'm still a little hesitant. What are, what are your thoughts, Bob, on, on Nazareth? Uh, they, they were, they were my last team out at the end of uh, like spot 25. I was Keene state, Nazareth, Wabash, Williams. And I looked really hard at Nazareth. I just felt like they were a great win short of me pulling the trigger but I've watched, I think I've watched two games. I've watched two games uh, and I, and I, I like them a lot. I think they are a good team that absolutely can be a top 25 team. And I was super close to voting for them. I know a lot of people, um, I can't, how many votes did they get right this time around? I can't remember. I know that I saw the people that share their ballots. I saw yeah. So, um, I'm a big fan. And I think, um, the next time around, if there's some loss at the bottom of my belt, they're in. Sorry, guys. Yeah, it's, it's, been, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those that I, I'm, I'm not quite ready to buy in, right? That you could write off some of those, the performance that gave us we go. And I'm higher on us. And a lot of people are, I've been voting for them for, for more than a month now. And then they have the little the um, setback with RPI, and I think I'm probably a little higher on that team too. And so um, I, I'm, you know, I do see them a couple times, which is more than I've only watched one game. And so it's, it's one of those I'm just I'm really curious what everybody else thinks about it. And I did put them in towards the bottom because I think the resume deserved it. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where they're going to head, and they've been winning games in their conference by so much. 
bartender. That's what I would say. Is spots 21 to 25, in my opinion, are wide open. And if has Nazareth, then there's an absolutely incredible pick. Um, so my, my problem, as I said in the past, Nazareth, Oswego, and our, and our PR are all together because they've all beaten each other. i got to get all three of them in. It means i got to find three holes. And it comes down to that for me. It, it's just it's a challenge for me to try and figure that out. Um, and I'm not sure the solution there. Um, that's where that stands. Okay, sorry. Had some issues. Sorry, had some, some issues with our tech, and uh, we're falling back up and running. So apologize for all that. Um, so we'll, we'll fix this whole archive in the past. If you're watching, you're good. If you're just going back now, sorry about that. But again, for me, Nazareth. Nazareth, we go yeah, if I gotta put them in, I gotta put all three of them in at this point, and I don't have room for three, so I haven't I haven't voted them in. Otherwise, they're great. I think all three of the resumes are pretty solid. Um, maybe one or two I have it better than another. Again, because of the A B B B C B A, I'm kind. Of, I feel like I'm host. Um, I don't really have a debatable. I think you guys kind of talked on a lot of the topics I hit. Um. And so I don't, I don't really have a debatable tonight. Anything you're looking forward to ahead of the, ahead of, you know, down the road? I, I'm thrilled that we're full speed conference play at this point. It feels to me like we're on, what's the right word? We're plateauing in our, in our COVID debacle at this point. It feels like it was a disaster, disaster, disaster for several weeks there. I think that's plateauing, and I'm hoping as we get into later January into February that we're going to get better. So I, I guess the thing I'm most looking forward to is is less players out, finding a way to play games, reschedule games, and we're in conference play, so that's the best time of the year. Can't agree with you. Oh, uh, sorry. Can't disagree with that. Uh, I, I, I made a point on the graphics six weeks to, to Sunday. It's six weeks until we know who's in and out of this tournament. This is when things really ramp up, yeah. really get exciting. It's starting to feel again like pre-COVID. It's starting to feel a little like that, and I'm excited about that. All right, anything you're looking forward to? Um, I mean, just seeing the games play. Uh, when you say six weeks, it feels like we, we barely got started. We had, right. a big, yeah. we had a whole bunch of games right early in November because we started so early this year. Then you got it feels like almost from Thanksgiving until now that we've been mostly off. You know, we've had a big game here and there, but we haven't seen the, the volume of games that, that we're used to. And so um, I'm just excited to see the games and it feels like next week's ballot will be the first one that I feel confident in. Um, and this is maybe a couple weeks later in the year than that would that would normally go. There's just so many big games this week that are gonna tell us a lot right? what today. You totally just jinxed it. You're not going to feel confident next week's ballot now at all. <laughs> no, you're screwed. Hey, guys, appreciate the time. Uh, thanks, as always. Look forward to chatting with you down the road. Maybe we'll have another voice in the mix uh, next week. We'll see how it all plays out. Uh, safe and enjoy the rest of the week. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. See you, guys. Bob Quillman, Brian Scott, joining us on the Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Um, basically, the only way you saw the end of this was if you're watching the archive.
scan through. For those of you who are watching live and now just catching up with what we all had to say, I apologize for our technical issues. Uh, no idea what happened, but we'll be looking into yet another gremlin that has appeared on our computer systems. Um, we're going to wrap things up here because uh, we're just, we got to get this show turned around for any of you who, um, I don't think anybody's, uh, the live button, like, no, don't worry about it. Um, reminder, again, NCAA convention and uh, starts uh, this week and the Constitution is voted on this week along with some legislative items. We will have a whole show dedicated to it coming up here on uh, on um, next week, on Tuesday. So the show will be out Tuesday morning. Look for that, both video and audio. We'll get that all taken care of. I want to thank our guests who came on the show. Um, appreciate uh, Steve Lampart from Randolph for coming on down Friday from Penn State Harrisburg and Yasmin from Manual, of course, from Illinois Wesley. I want to thank Bob Bowman and Ryan Scott for coming on as well. I want to thank the SIDs uh, out there who helped us um, with uh, getting guests set up and all that. David Herberger. Uh, uh, sorry, Dave. I screwed up their last name. I never seem to get that one right. Um, from Randolph, I want to thank Katie Gonzalez from Illinois Wesleyan. Uh, Dan Campagna from Emmanuel. Uh, certainly all of your help is great. Tom uh, from Harrisburg. Appreciate you guys' support of the show as well. We'll be on the air Thursday. Uh, besides the special that's coming out Tuesday morning, we'll be on the air Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern time. We'll be talking the odd-numbered regions. Uh, they will include Region 3, Region 5, Region 7, Region 9, and 10 combined. We'll also follow up on what's going on at the top at the NCAA convention. We'll also have our women's uh, uh, top 25 double take as well. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank Andy for his help as well tonight. We'll try to keep figuring out why we have new gremlins every time we turn the computers on. Uh, we'll be working on that this week. I don't have any basketball games to attend, so I'm looking forward to that. Before I sign off, i got to sign you off on a funny note. On Saturday's men's basketball game, uh, Sprint and Goucher, it was the first of a doubleheader. The women were to play second. Uh, we played... Um, we're at the 1609 mark left to go in the first half, and all of a sudden, everyone was looking at the basketball. Couldn't figure out why. Long story short, we were playing basketball, not the men's basketball. That was quickly solved. Um, Scranton was allowed. It, was, it took place in the middle of two free throws, so Scranton had the uh, second of those two. Should have taken the second of two free throws. They took two. They gave him the first one back. That apparently shouldn't have happened. But I have a feeling referees across the country this week were reminded to double-check the basketball. The one reason I'd certainly bring it up is one person brought out an interesting point um, was that um, why don't the basketballs look different? Like in the WNBA and the NBA, they're distinctly different basketballs. Why not the NCAA? Why don't we have a distinctly different basketball, either the men or the women? Maybe just a colorization change or something. I don't know. Just a thought certainly keep that from happening again because I heard from a number of coaches that it happened before. One person contacted me and said they played an entire women's game with a men's ball and didn't realize the problem until they were putting the ball up. That's a problem. Anyway, that's going to do it for us tonight. We'll be back on the air Thursday. Appreciate you all tuning in. You can listen to Hoops. I want to thank our partner at D3Hoops.com, National Association of Basketball, Women's Basketball Coaches Association, and of course, Blue Frame Technology and their Team One Sports app, which allows us to stream the broadcast, uh, including on your big screen. Uh, even archived as well. want to thank, and if you listen to the podcast, hope you're enjoying that as well on any of your podcast avenues. If you want to talk about the basketball, you've got to listen to Hoops. You have. We appreciate it. We'll see you back here on Thursday. Have a great day, everybody, and stay safe. <laughs>